This episode is brought to you by Levalasi Loyan and Deanna Meredith. Thank you for your generous donation and continued support of our podcast. We see y'all. What are we doing it for? We're doing it for the culture. Okay. I have a wild one, y'all. It's a wild one? It's a wild one. Wild thing. I should give some context. Okay, this Sunday, September 29th, there will be um, the world's biggest leather event, Folsom Street Fair. You guys, um, what, is, what does it mean that it's uh, a leather event? Um, just a whole lot of BDSMism happening uh, downtown or um, on Folsom Street. Well, so not, I've never been to one before. <laughs> me neither. When I think of leather, I think of like leather, like the leather <clears throat> community within the LGBT community. You know, like the the bears. The zaddies. Mm. Oh, the zaddies. <laughs> Wearing the leather oh, and I'm shit, you know, too. like them chest straps. and the. I'm sure there'll be the, a, quite the, a few of those the, out the, there. The, 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 the with the booty open. <laughs> okay, okay. Thank you for the context. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Fulsome Street will be having the the world's biggest leather event. Um, let me see. By the time y'all hear this, it'll be over? Yeah, it'll be over. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't, don't worry about seeing... Um, me out there because uh, I won't be. Maybe <laughs> you won't be out there. I'll in your be in birthday deep suit. disguise. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's located on historic Folsom Street. Leather and fetish players from all over the world. Um, what else? Yeah, they're 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 doing live BDSM demos and a sick and twisted performance on stage. Oh. And yes, they say. So there's like fucking and shit on the street. Right? Oh yeah, absolutely. They say that you can still be naked. Um, so. Um, yeah. Okay. Come naked, basically. Oh, oh. There's a there's a check-in for the coat and clothes area for them to kind of do all these things. <laughs> so it's like, so I know you came with clothes. clothes shoes, <laughs> check that let in. Me check my, let me check my drawers in real Here's quick. Here's your zip <laughs> <laughs> I, I can tell you like this, partner. No, 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 no. I'm reading. Mm-hmm. All right, Tom? Tom, you're still picking me up right now. No, I'm, just <laughs> I'm fucking with you, Tom. Okay, now that leads me to my would you rather question. Okay, all right. right. So would you rather be on a leash or hold the leash? Mm, hold the leash. Okay. Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's another part. There's a second part to this. I think I'd rather hold the leash. I don't know, because it would feel... Good to be in control. Oy, oy, <laughs> yeah. I think also because Yeah. Well, I'm because you gave me the context, I'm thinking like in public, I think in public I would wanna hold the leash. I think in the bedroom I might wanna be on the leash. Mm. <laughs> Maybe, there's no leash. Maybe there's no Maybe leash. Maybe there's no leash. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a harness? <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay, yeah. Okay. Hold yeah, you, yeah, I mean, that's... I hold the leash, yeah. You hold the leash? Okay. What about you, Rocky? I mean, you guys already know. You know I'm, holding, I'm holding leashes all day. Uh, like, I'm five, six. I'm a dog walker. Like, I got mad leash control. <laughs> I know how to make them heal. I know how to make them sit. Get your ass back here. <laughs> I'm 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 a good I'm a good leash holder. I feel like I don't I don't be abusing unless 
I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, you're right. In in public, I mean, I just remember seeing all those pimp and hoe parties and mm. just being seeing all these women on these leashes and being like... With like the diamonds and shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm not nah, feeling that. Not at all. Yeah, um, but, you know, like I said, I'm a dog lover, so I know I got good leash control, so mm-hmm. I can work them things. Harness, no harness, <laughs> choke collar. All that. All that. Okay, good answers, good answers. What about you, partner? You know, I feel like just saying the, <laughs> just to kind of flip it up, but yeah, I, I would rather be holding the leash for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. That's who, who would be, who would be, <laughs> who would be? on the leash what? though? Who would be on the leash? Or, yeah, I mean, would it? because I'm thinking I wouldn't necessarily, uh, I think I would feel more powerful if I had like a, a, someone who was white on the leash mm. I've you know seen that mean? before I've Ooh, seen you switched up this whole question yeah, I'm just saying it's a power dynamic it's a power dynamic yeah like not I mean obviously I would there would need to be consent and it would just that person you know would like want that and everything but I think I would prefer the person the, the person on the leash mm. to be white a white what man mm. but see yeah. my, my but my but like with white with white guys I don't like the 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 typical like scrawny or whatever like I like them big brawly white dudes right mm. and I think that I could see myself holding <laughs> the leash with <laughs> a big brawly white dude on the leash okay I've seen that before I've seen a um but it was like a photo shoot of this native woman mm. who had a mega supporter on a leash and it was on her phone and like off the strength of that I like who is she I need to follow her I need to find her (laughs) and so like every Columbus Day like I find that picture again (laughs) and it's so amazing because she's in the middle of like it looks like Times Square oh wow yeah and she's just dressed in her full indigenous headpiece and everything and she's literally just on her phone dog walking this MAGA supporter like that this Trump is, supporter. Wow. Yeah, I love it. It's So I feel you on yeah. that. Like, in that situation, definitely, you know, <laughs> no, for sure. that indigenous woman, you know, Indigenous through. People's Day is coming up, too. Yeah, I'm yeah. A, I'm going to be on the lookout for that picture, man. That's, that's just how sick. Oh, yeah. I know, right? I'll, if I can find it. I'll now, it if it's a you. MAGA supporter, yeah, I'm dog walking that motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Lauren, Cardi oh, B, you yeah. hear me? We dog we dog walking that broad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All day. That part. Good switch up, partner. That was a good... Yeah. That, I don't know. That's just a thought that came to mind. No, that's true. It really all depends on who. Okay, so I said... So would you, would you stick with that, a, a MAGA supporter? A MAGA supporter, I wouldn't even give him the pleasure of getting mm. beat up by me. But you know what, though? I've been reading a lot about financial doms. Mm. It really interests mm. me. It really what, interests what is, me. What, what, what have you read? I have read is literally like forcing some business, white businessmen to like just pay you. Mm. Right. Like basically their form of domination is just paying you to do whatever to do whatever it doesn't necessarily have to be related to sex or anything but like it's just Mm -hmm. on the premise of like you need to give your money to women you everything that you do is basically at the expense of women Mm -hmm. so to 
you know, with the whole power dynamic thing is basically it's domination, but it's about money. So I think Do that's where also- a lot of the Cash App Friday, like a lot of the give your money to women, a lot of the mm. here's my Venmo for my emotional labor kind of stuff started Word. popping off when um, I think this woman named Chief Lauren Elk really popularized it when she put the hashtag give your money to women mm. so financial I said I might be good at something in my life <laughs> yes, I've never joined that kind of work but I think I might be cut out for it I heard that they also <laughs> give um, the women permission to have control of their bank account yeah. their wallet mm-hmm. that's crazy See, yeah. my yeah. exposure to this this particular thing you're talking about I, I didn't know until I started watching Pose Right. And, oh. and on this recent season, um, I need to start watching that. Uh, Electra, Mother Electra, she, you know, got into that field and and there was like men that were paying her to do some off the wall shit. Like one dude, he was like, I have this nice home in the Hamptons. Uh, you and your girlfriends could use it. So they did. Yeah. And all he wanted was he was in this like leather suit bound and in a cage and left there to just rot and not rot, but deal with the elements. And, of course, they checked on him to make sure he was cool and still breathing. But, like, they just left him there. And that was how he got off, right? I mean, can sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll leave you, my man alone for free. Right. <laughs> hey, pay me to I leave mean, you alone. you pay me to neglect you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Give me some money to make the deposit. Here's my Venmo. Where? No, but, uh, you know... When you think about capitalism and you think about existing within a system where money is, you know, it's just the inequity of it. It's just frustrating. It's Mm. like, wouldn't you want to take that out on somebody who has so much money that they don't want the fuck to do with that? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, you can look at what we're talking about. Yeah, you know, like that's how you know capitalism is just it's just so fucked because you got all these people that are getting off on whatever um, because they got too much money. And it's like, Mm. uh, how else could you Mm. balance the scales unless you do something like that? Because I'm tired of lining up for it. I'm tired of asking for it. I'm tired of applying for it. I'm tired of trying to get the government to give me my fucking student loan forgiveness. Uh, I'm going to take it. I'm taking it, taking you know, it, and you're going right. to want me to take it because yes, this is all based in social justice. <laughs> <laughs> this is equity, goddammit. Hopefully it doesn't get too dark and dirty, but, you know, but like I said, you know, I've, I've learned a lot about sex work and um, how it's really work at mm-hmm. the end of the day. And yeah. any wife knows that. <laughs> Anybody who's oh. in a long-term mm. relationship knows it's some real-ass work, you know. Mm. So, um, but yeah, that's that's the kind of shit that I would like. Like, put these Wall Street motherfuckers on a leash. Okay. That's facts. Bernie Bernie Sanders would be proud of me. You know? <laughs> Doing it for the culture. Doing it for the culture and for the economy. <laughs> okay, well, what it do, Kaipu? I am your host, D-Boy. Welcome to For the Cultures. I'm your host, Bex Bumble. And y'all hear us chopping it up with that that dope, militant, angelic, powerful voice. That, that is not that is no one other than Miss Rocky Rivera. Hey. If DJ Rosa was here, she would do the little air horn. Uh-huh. I know. <laughs> we gotta work on that. We gotta get that we in here. Yeah, you know, I'm just gonna bring my equipment. I'm just press it. Come on, yeah. DJ Bex Bumble. <laughs> <laughs> hey. FML. 
<laughs> What's up, Chris? How you doing? I'm great. It's Saturday morning, and I'm spending it with you hey, all. Hey, the hamos. The hamos. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. about them hamos. Hey. <laughs> <See? laughs> Took it back to the old school. I, I was like, like throwing it back. I know what's up. What's up, Han Street? What's up, Sunnydale? Hey. What's up, Hunters Point? What's up, Petrero Hill? Hey. All my homos from the city. What's up? What's good? Hey. Two rock, two rock in the hey, building. Double rock, excuse me. Yes, yes. I missed out on that one. Thank Heights. you. Thank you. Yes, yes. We, we I'm over here out. feeling left out. I ain't oh. even from the city. Oh, Christine, you know she's about that South, South Bay. South Bay, South Bay. Milpitas. <laughs> <laughs> small percentage of homos where we live. The Shark Tank. Oh. The Shark Tank. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't go there. <laughs> it's good to have you on the podcast with us, though, Chris. Thank, Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for your time and your energy to be here. Uh, just for those who are not familiar with your work, I just want to go back Go back to when I first discovered who you were. Hmm. It was through, uh, this was at a time when I had left the Bay Area. I had been gone for about 10 years, and I was, you know, online and YouTube was popping. YouTube was coming out and all like you just seen hella shit coming from hella different people all over the world. And I somehow stumbled across uh, these ciphers put on by Team Backpack. And what was dope was that Team Backpack had hella ciphers with all women. Mm. The whole lineup was all women. Mm. Dope women uh, like yourself, Rocky Rivera. There was Plain Jane. There My was, girl. Yeah, mm-hmm. Plain Jane is dope. Um, there was Chrissy, too, from Oakland. Okay. Uh, there, and there was a Samoan girl. Fuck. Really? Uh, yeah, I forgot her name. She was on one of them, and we had touch base, but she was dope. She was fire. My girl Glam, too. Oh, I don't know Glam. If I don't know Glam. That's my girl. Glam. Yeah. And then, that's my cousin. I call her my cousin because she, uh, her last name is Rivera. So when, mm. okay. when I first was introduced to her mom, <laughs> and she was like, you Rocky Rivera? Is we related? And I was like, you know what? Glam is the one with the ponytail, right? Yeah, she's oh, Puerto Rican. Her. So her mom is hella cool. And her mom raps too. What? So, Even yeah. Ruby. Ruby was on one. Yeah, Ruby, Ruby was on, was on one. She was, yeah, she was on a couple different ones. So they were the actually uh, Team Backpack. Um, shout out to Armani and his whole team. Um, is it Armani? I think it is. But um, shout out to the whole team um, for actually being the ones to say, you know what, we're going to places MCs here and Word. we're going to have a whole bunch of different ones and we're not ju- just going to put you in the female MC cipher we're going to sprinkle you here we're going to yeah. do this yeah and it really I mean and to be quite honest like I am not alive I have anxiety so I'm not a live cipher person mm-hmm. and what? I you know what here's the thing I've my vocabulary I've like cleaned it up okay. in the last 20 years. Okay. Hmm. Like if you would have talked to 16 year old Krish from the city. Yeah. Oh, I would have been the imagine. hardest battle rapper out, but Ooh. I would have insulted half the people in the audience. So yeah. I you know, I had to decolonize my language and take mm. out a lot of those harmful things that I grew up saying. But mm-hmm. when you up there trying to go in on people, you can't be soft about it, you know, or you right. can't, mm. you know, I had to really have a different kind of target. So, a lot of the team backpack stuff I was really grappling with, um, not trying to be um, harmful to the gay community, not trying to n- use the N-word, something mm-hmm. that a lot of us city kids grew up using. Using it, right. Um, We're and, really staunch on like ourselves, trying right. not to use that. Right. right, exactly. But you can't help but what can't you grew help up around. Other people, you know? yeah. And I talk about that in my songs, about how like this language that I've learned is not my language. I've been trying to decolonize my language so that when I'm on... Um, 
a podium trying to battle rap. Like, it's like they want you to go in and use the kind of language that I've been trying to take out of my raps. Mm. And, you know, it's like, I feel like I'm part of the older generation now, you know? So mm. it's like they have a different expectation. They want you to be as disrespectful as possible, mm. you know? And that's just not how I roll. So the people that did find me through um, Team Backpack, they really, they love the message and they heard the message through all of that. That you was, know what that I mean? was that me. Was you. That was your boy. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, thank it, you for that. Because I don't, mm. I don't even like reading comments. Honestly, I, I don't like I, the whole internet. Like having an opinion on whether or not I can rap. Like it never mattered to me. Mm. You know, and that's so, so I don't like. That's something about me that I have to get over. Like mm -hmm. I think is that like I control comments. Like I moderate because I don't want people to be disrespected Word. on any of my platforms. But mm. that doesn't make for good social media <laughs> right, or engagement. Yeah. You know, yeah. they want people to be talking crap about everybody so they can say, "Oh, we got 432 comments disparaging all the women on here." So, mm. so for me, there's like this fine line of being like, "I'll do stuff like Team Backpack, but I won't always do stuff like that because I know that that's not my real audience." Mm -hmm. mm. But how else? Am I gonna have people like Danny Boy find me? I gotta go and do <laughs> right. stuff like that. But I think that's the one thing that I is like the more introverted part of myself is I want to have control over what I represent. And I feel like if somebody else is um, doing that doing for that me, then they might misrepresent mm -hmm. all the hard work that I've had becoming a, a, an MC and a female MC from the city. You know what I mean? And <laughs> this is why. This is why I follow. I so fangirled over your ass just because <laughs> the message, right? Like the message and everything that you was putting out there was like, oh shit, and you and your energy and just everything, your swag about you was just like so familiar. Thank you. So from the city, so many folks I grew up with, and mm. I was like, I gotta just keep following this girl, right? Like she's a dope ass and see. And then you I, sent me a message. I sent you a message, yeah, you and you replied, and I was like. <laughs> he froze. I froze, right? <laughs> and so I think this was around the time when I was in LA and I had I was coming home to the Bay and uh this was the time when uh the movie Licks came out. Did you mm. see did you see Licks? Oh no 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 I'm thinking of sneaks. No, I'm thinking of kicks. Oh you're thinking of kicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same kind of kicks, yeah. I don't know if it was the same filmmaker. Was it Richmond or was it was It was it... Oakland. Oh, oh Licks. Okay. All yeah, right. Licks. So... You gotta check that out. Was that after Oscar was... Grant? Was that after um, Fruitvale Station? Mm. That was before. That was before. It. Okay, that was got before. You. Got but, you. And it was before Kicks as well. Definitely an un. What's that word when it's underrated? Yeah, it's a very underrated film, but such a dope ass film, especially mm -hmm. from a lot of Bay Area uh, mm. folks. It was Bay Area made. Bay Area like stars mm. in there, and and young people just putting this movie together. So dope. If y'all haven't checked it out yet, go check it out. It's you can find it on Amazon. <clears throat> um, but I came out here and I and I went to the, I think it's the New Parkway Theater. It's a small theater mm -hmm. in Oakland. I've heard about that. The one that serves beer. Yeah, serves yeah. beer. Burgers. The, the, all burgers. That stuff. The theater. I still never gone, but I've <laughs> gotta heard go, about bro. It. Gotta go. The, the <laughs> theater is dope. Because throwing it's, shit out like you've been it's there. It's not just chairs I mean, and I know shit. They got, yeah, yeah. They got couches. They got. Yeah. It's, it's real homely. And Dude, they were it's like, like plank. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, it's not as it's not as like hipstery. It's like no. old school. They had an old version and then they opened up a new one. But it's like an old school theater where yeah. you could actually sit and order a burger, have a beer. Wow. But I, say, I think they were also like doing like Breaking Bad marathons too. Like and yeah, like they do hella stuff, different like programming or whatever. Yeah. And so after that, after I went to go see Licks, I got my. You know, I was like, I'm home. I was in LA, too much LA shit. I'm like, let me get my bay fixed. <laughs> hey. on. Seen yeah. licks, and then um, 
you were performing down the street at New Parish. Oh, that was the same night. That was the same uh-huh. night. So that then was I, a, I feel like that was like a rainy night, too. It was, because I didn't have <laughs> a ride home after I was stuck. The lights went out. It was dramatic, too. Yeah. <laughs> but I rushed over there to go see you perform, and um, I'm there by myself, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I, I'm just feeling it, thinking it out to hey. the music or whatnot, and we we lock eyes or some shit like that. You spot me, and he's like, shout out to all the ooses. You support my music, and I was like, that's me! God, that's chest, me! Cousin. I'm the only ooze in this motherfucker. I'm the only ooze in this motherfucker that ain't security. That ain't security. Oh, that's so cute. I love that story. We took a picture. I still have that picture. We took a picture. picture. Uh-huh. I got to meet your cousin, Nina Park. Yep. It was just all mm-hmm. love, you know? So. Mm-hmm. That's I love dope. that. I love, I love that. that. Yeah. I've been following you ever since. Yeah. And we, ever dude, since. who said you can't make internet friends? Right. Yeah. I mean, it happens. Like, anytime somebody leaves a heartfelt message, and they always, always preface it with like a, I'm sorry to be such a fanboy or such a group. <laughs> right. like, I'm like, why do you have to apologize to me? Like, it's good. Like, you would never, men don't ever, you know what I mean? Like, they're always like, oh, yeah, of course you're my fan. But it's like, there's this weird, anyway. So, like, anytime somebody shares a story about how they discover me or like, I always feel like my music finds you at the right time. Mm. I mean, I feel like wherever you are in your life, at least that's what people tell uh, tell themselves when they don't get radio play. You know what I mean? like, You're gonna find me one day, but I ain't going nowhere. KML, you heard me. Okay. <laughs> but you know, but honestly, like I've been making music for ten years now, and, and um, I've evolved a lot in those ten years. But you know, something that Bex told me that when she first heard my music, she was like, "Why haven't I heard you before?" Mm. And that's the number one. That ain't even question. your fault. That's my fault. <laughs> no, it's no, it's not. It's society's fault, girl. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. Let me just say that all the forces that are working against me are the reason why I've had to be such a thug on the microphone. <laughs> it's funny when you walk up into a Rocky Rivera show, like you never know what's gonna happen, like, mm. like because the space that I take is is complete. You know, like there have been times where people have like gotten into fistfights in the audience. It might have been that show that you were at too, or something, but I've had to literally like stop the audience and be like, "Now y'all are at a Rocky show. Excuse me. There's no reason why y'all two mm. should be fighting right now. What, what? is going on?" Mm. It's like the educator the in me. <laughs> Conflict resolution. I'm always like, I make fun music. Y'all don't need to be fighting in the front. So like, you know, I, I always love it when people share stories with me because mm. it's so special. Because. Nobody helped you find my music. Nobody, mm. ain't no Spotify playlist, ain't no Pandora, ain't no, well, shout out to Pandora because they just brought me to mixtape, but hey. that was <laughs> recently, you know, but my music came before social media almost. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the stuff that I did, including journalism, was before social media. So, mm. you know, all these new booties and brand new babies that was just born 15 years ago, they might not have heard of my music right. but you know I think that that's okay because women deserve to contribute to art after yes. the age of 25 yes mm. and we yes, deserve Lord. 
to become mothers and mm. continue to do the work that we do and mm. not disappear forever. So I think the surprise is, is bitch, you ain't disappeared yet because <laughs> white supremacy is working against you. Now you're back and now you got a white man's head. Ooh. And you're holding it in your latest project. Now tell me how you survived these 10 years. I told you I'm a dog walker, man. I don't get walked. Okay. Ooh, I do the walking. I do the walking. No, but also because community folks like yourself, you know, like they want to feel home in these spaces that they are not welcome and mm-hmm. they women right. they want to go to hip hop shows and mm-hmm. they want to feel welcome they want to yeah. not just welcome but they want to feel like they own the space yeah. and I give them that you know but you're right you know like is it really your fault that you didn't hear my music no mm. it's not your fault because um, there's so much content out there and the mm-hmm. people that are the gatekeepers of this content mm. they o- they only want to talk about dollar signs and right. when you are anti-capitalist and mm. when you are anti-imperialist and anti um, misogynistic of course my my agenda is going to be pushed to the back so mm. yeah because so it ain't for everybody i accept that it ain't for everybody but it should be for everybody it should right, be right. we're gonna turn you into a what uh uh, weed head feminist. <laughs> no, we ain't gonna get to that part yet because we had that whole conversation off air. But yeah, no, I'm gonna turn you. And meaning, turn I'm gonna right. turn you, meaning that there is a transformation that needs to happen when you listen to my music or that yeah. I'm hoping that will happen. That's and, good. That's and so good. I'm not taking you as you are. Right. You know mm. what I mean? I'm not going to roll up because I've seen Travis Scott's documentary on Netflix and all them all them white hands in the air, that will never be my crowd. I will never mm. have Macklemore's audience. I will never have... You know, like even even just Wu Tang when they're talking about how their audience changed throughout the years. Uh, like I can't picture like seventeen year old white boys moshing to my music. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not for you. You know, right. so so when you think about success and what kind of audience comes with success, like it's only natural that um, artists from the Bay Area. Something that I'm so thankful for because I grew up watching people like E-40, San Quinn, hey. Messi Mar, hey. um, RBL Posse, mm, Get Low Players, Rappin Forte, Rappin Forte, JT the Bigger Figure, hey. Conscious Daughters, Ooh, um, Spice One, Conscious Daughters, um, Keek the Sneak, Mr. Fab. We before the hyphy movement popped off, wasn't nobody giving Bay Area artists love, no, and I knew this because I reported on this. Yes. Okay, I knew this, and I know this because um, at the end of the day, we have evolved creatively in isolation. You know, Word. I used to call mm. the Bay Area the Galapagos Islands of the world because <laughs> we got all sorts of creatures coming yeah. out of the cuts. We got and we all, gotta protect that shit, and we gotta protect it because what the internet did was um, the internet killed regional music. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. when I was a journalist, there was still a down south sound. There was still a Bay Area sound. Right. There was still the East Coast sound. And even though I'm saying that it's okay that culture moves and bleeds, um, what happened was was that our culture got infiltrated. Yeah. Mm. And so... Um, I don't even know how we got to this conversation. I mean, I mean like, we you just, you just dove in. You dove Look, in. I'm talking this, about woo. evolution. But this is what I want to highlight. This is this is what I want to highlight, though. It's like, yes, you are an artist, and everything you talked about is found in your lyrics. Yes. And at the same time, you are an entrepreneur. You are a mother. Mm-hmm. You are a uh, partner, you, wife. You're a, a woman. You're Pinai. 
Not technically a wife, but. Oh, uh, not technically, okay. Yeah. Wife ish? Wifey. Wife ish is better. <laughs> wife I like that. I'd rather be wife ish than wifey. Yeah. But hyphy. Rhymes with, with wifey. You're the hyphy wifey. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have two homies that are named hyphy wifey, so I can't take that one. I can't take that, IG. <laughs> you, you you just, you all of it. Are you all of that in a bag of chips? A oh, bag of hot cheetos. I know, right? Oh, hot cheetos. <laughs> the, the, you know, I love my hot cheetos. The black bag, you know. Because oh, it's, it's hot. Hot. yeah. Oh, that's extra hot. Bruh, when they first came out, because I remember this back in the 90s, they tasted just like that. Oh, they were like extra spicy. They were hella hot. Yeah, and then it died down. Anyways, oh. that's not important. <laughs> but welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank so, you. Something that we always ask our guests to do before we get down and dirty. And I know we was getting in there already. Mm-hmm. Oh, nasty. Mm-hmm. But let's, you know, you nasty. <laughs> Girl, you nasty. <laughs> but something that we always like our folks to do is to ground us mm-hmm. um, by um, giving any kind of offering, whether mm-hmm. it's a blessing, it could be... Anything that speaks to you to uh, center us and ground us in this episode and give thanks. Mm. Okay. All right. Yeah. So if, would you mind? Not at all. Thank um, you. I'm not going to be singing or anything because I'm not one of those rappers that tries to sing. I'm <laughs> 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 um, such a word head, a book worm, a word yes. nerd, a... a Somebody that likes to read, and I have like quotes everywhere. That's called so. the uh, that's called the sesquipedalian. Sesquipedalian. <laughs> it's one of those s s a t words. I learned. I actually learned this on Living Single. Living Single. Bruh, my favorite. Show. My favorite television show. Uh, Kyle was. You know, Kyle got a high ass score on his SATs, and he always used big words. And he used the word sesquipedalian, which means a lover of words. Oh, how can I, a lover of words, not know that? Thank you. Thank you very much. Sesquipedalian. Okay, whatever. Sesquipedalian. 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 No, I don't even know how you say it, but yes, I am that. I am that. So, my offering is something that um, I have been pondering about for a very long time. Um, you might say as a quote unquote female MC, but also as a woman in the movement, as a partner, as um, a person of color. Um, so the quote is by Bell Hooks. Um, mm. If you are not familiar with Bell Hooks, please look her work up. She really gave me a lot of context to the kind of work that I do. If you don't know about my music, the themes that I always talk about are love and war Mm. because all is fair in love and war and there are no rules in love and war. And for me, um, to have an academic speak to my experience, um, it really grounded a lot of my work in more than just war and love in those extremes. So Mm. um, the quote that I'm going to share with you all is about solidarity. Mm. Solidarity is not the same as support. Mm. To experience solidarity, we must have a community of interest shared beliefs and goals around which to unite, to build sisterhood. Support can be occasional. It can be given and just as easily withdrawn. Mm. Solidarity requires sustained, ongoing commitment. So the reason why I like this quote is because a lot of people like to say they support um, women or they support artists or they support POC folks. But when you put a woman on a bill and you put her on early as fuck and you put her on for five minutes, 
just so you could check a box, that's not support. Mm. When you retweet something or when you basically say that you're supporting or you, let's say, for example, you know, you're doing a festival and you didn't have enough female artists. Now you're doing it again, but you're still not putting them at a point where they're visible. Mm. That's not solidarity, bro. Mm. And I'm going to call out every single person that want to talk about they support women, they support women artists. Because unless you're creating a system in which we all can benefit and you're not playing favorites, then you're not really in solidarity. So I also want to share this with other people from our own community who love to cancel each other out. Because now that's the number one thing I see is is mad annoying is that you coming at the next person, your peer, somebody that is your equal, and you're trying to get them canceled Mm-hmm. and further ostracized from a system and in a system that already is violent against them. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of times when activists get all excited, um, we get confused about what it means to have solidarity with people. Like someone can make a mistake and you can still have solidarity with what they're about. But if we sit here and we act holier than thou than everybody and act like we, we've been woke since the day we were born, mm-hmm. mm. then we're never going to allow space for people to evolve on their own. And we're going to have the same kind of reactionary carceral system that our people have been suffering from um, in the United States of America, which is ostracizing and marginalizing people. Right. Right. We don't want to further marginalize, marginalized people. Whew. So when we talk about calling people out, you need to understand how power dynamics work. Mm. Okay, We punch up. We don't punch down. We never punch down. So when you talk about solidarity, damn, like... I should have just said like a religious hymn or something because now no. I'm just going. Let's in. go. I'm just going. I'm just Let's saying go. that like, Preach you know, if, if you want to be a feminist, it got to be the economic part of that, too. It can't mm. just be it can't just be the philosophy of, oh, I'm, I believe that you're equal, but I'm not going to pay you what right. I paid the last dude. So um, if you want to be somebody that is in solidarity with. Um, what this podcast is about, what I'm about, mm, then you yeah. got to really think about the ways in which you use your privilege to benefit and you don't tear down something that you didn't help build. So I think solidarity is where we need to go with each other because support, like Bell Hook says, I can support you one minute and not fuck with you the next. And That's those are the kind of fans that I don't like. Yeah. They're the ones that are like, let me just wait until you mess up and then I'm going to come with the with the torches. You know what I mean? Mm. So I hate that. Wow. That's the end. This podcast yeah. is no, no. period. <laughs> period. I'm too deep. I'm too we going too deep. We gotta get back. But we gotta Be- get back. Bex taught me this thing, um, and I believe it's biblical, right? Partner the say like Selah. Selah, yeah. Selah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. can you can you um explain a little bit about what Selah is? Yeah. So um Selah is um like in it's it's, it's used highly in the book of Psalms in mm. the Bible. So mm-hmm. it's like it's just whenever there's something deep or profound that's said. Mm. You, uh, say law would be um, like set reference right after that. And mm. it means to stop, think and reflect, mm. especially when something um, deep and profound. And it could be a small little passage, right. a very, you know, short sentence. Right. But if there's say law in quotes, that means they want you to hold on. They're, you're not fully unpacking this. There's more right. than just what you're thinking you, you see. So yeah. say law is means to stop, reflect think and pause take yeah. it in i right? love that yeah. i'm learning so, new words yeah. to say. <laughs> and, and everything you just gave us i really feel it you know after after you just bang the gavel right a selah moment right there because I, I say that a lot you know like it really spoke to me what you was talking about in terms of not just support but solidarity right mm-hmm. like taking that 
leveling up and not just saying you support someone or something, but that you stand in solidarity with mm-hmm. them, yeah. which means through the good and the bad. Because yeah. mm-hmm. even you bringing up this idea about canceling people out, we, we had a really heavy conversation in one of uh, our recent episodes about uh, canceling <clears throat> family members out be- oh, yeah. because they did some fucked mm-hmm. up shit like oh, yeah. sexual violence. Or are we going to do the the healing and restorative kind of work right, to right. be in solidarity with 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 them folks and and here's the thing Mm. it's that you don't have to be in solidarity with somebody that does you harm right Mm. and so i think when we think about solidarity we think about systems that Mm. um encourage this kind of behavior Mm. so you don't want to be in solidarity with anybody that um basically has shamed you into being a victim or shamed you done something like that like i I think that that's a personal boundary Mm. yeah you know what i mean and but i do think here's the thing i think that the conversation around cancel culture is necessary because it brought down a lot of powerful and violent predators right so it's necessary because it was the thread that was missing from all of those individuals that were saying am i the only one this happened to Mm. so for as far as like taking down institutions of power powerful white men who have benefited and are continuing to make money like louis ck like i watch secret life of pets (laughs) every morning with my daughter Mm. and louis ck who i used to be a fan of um he voices you know the dog <laughs> and i'm like this white man still getting money off this damn movie and he over here trying to make a comeback let me get one of them residual checks okay i'll be a little white dog that nobody cancels because they don't know it's louis ck you know what i mean but like when it comes to institutions and and let's say that that person in your family who harmed you that was a person of authority yeah. you know what mm. i mean like you really in those moments, you need backup. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when it's a person that is like, I can easily DM you. Yeah. Or I see you every other week. Or mm. I could just hit you up yeah. and ask you personally. Mm. Those are the kind of situations that don't require for you to put everybody on blast. Because I think that what people need is therapy. Yes, Lord. Mm. But what they have is social media. Yes, yeah. And so when people try to cancer or when they try to come at people from the community for making a mistake, which has happened to me plenty of times. Um, and I'm just thankful that I had people to ride with me through it all. Um, then it becomes about purity. Mm. And I'm not a religious person, mm. but I am also going, you know, if you think there's a hell, then I'm going to be there with my beach chair and my drink and my blunt. Because <laughs> that's where the fuck I'm going to Get some of be. that, son. Get some of my melanin Drop back the mic. Drop from the this mic. oppressive fucking world that was never meant for me anyway. So right. whatever hell or heaven you believe in, I'm stunting wherever the fuck I'm going. Mm. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying like, when we go towards purity, then we go towards that feeling of I can't do anything right. Mm-hmm. And when you a female MC, you gonna go one way or the other yeah, way. Man. You yeah, walk yeah, yeah, a yeah, razor's yeah. edge already. Come on. So I'm at a point in my career where I don't give a fuck anymore. Like, that come at me, bro. Death. Like, the whole song, my song, Best Shot, is literally like, if you coming at me, you best come correct. With your best shot. With your best shot, with your best aim, with your best facts. Yep. Because I 
does my research. Because <laughs> I'm coming for your throat. <laughs> well, bruh. <laughs> speaking speaking of best shots, speaking of best shots, uh, I would like to get us into our next segment, our breath segment. And I want to think about your video of best shots. Oh, right? great. Speaking and, of best shot. Yeah. Speaking of best shot, right? Great segue. Best shot. There, there is... A, there is an iconic shot in that video that I think I have seen it before the video was released. And I just remember seeing you promote you promote things with mm-hmm. this image. Mm-hmm. And it was so iconic. And I would like to bring that to our bruh for us to talk about. Y'all listening right now, go ahead and check out our IG page, our Facebook page. We put it up on Twitter. Hey. This picture that uh, we're going to have a conversation about is of Rocky feeding her baby. My daughter Izzy. Her daughter mm-hmm. Izzy. Breastfeeding. 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 Mm-hmm. Out in the out in the open, out in the public, out here with this dope ass puff coat. Right. In, and the city. in the city. Her chinchilla. With this with this uh, leopard print shirt on. And her, her little Kim on. And her gold chains with the four fifteen on there. With the four fifteen on there. Don't forget Forever. that. Does he have a grill on? I did not have the grill, okay. but I brought it with me just in case. Just I always in case. <laughs> just use in case I gotta shot. throw it in there real quick. <laughs> but bruh, this this picture is so iconic. Let me just put it here. Oh, Swing it, my daughter. That's little Izzy. Izzy. But y'all go ahead and check this Izzy. picture out so y'all know what we're talking about here. But Krish, can you talk to us about this picture because? I, w- I don't know if it's been deemed iconic or not, but I'm calling it. Hey. This shit is iconic. Oh, thank you. Thank can, you very I much. I don't know if you got prints of these so we could oh, yeah, put it right? up on the wall. Oh, yeah. You feel me? Yeah, but- you know what? <laughs> on a shirt. Really? Oh, you know what? Speaking of that... um. So the photographer, Kate Dash, a.k.a. Ben Milky. So y'all got to go check her Yeesh. out because all of her stuff is along the lines of just this. And I'm not even going to say women empowerment because that's corny. I'm just going to say that this is um, shot by women that, you know, it, it really is so powerful and beautiful in a different way that you might ne- never seen it before. So her handle is Ben Milky, Ben dot Milky, B-E-E-N dot Milky, like milk. And... um she is a photographer from. She's originally from out here too, Milpitas. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> so shout out to my homegirl because um, I actually found her work and I knew that I needed to shoot a video and that my album was coming out and mm-hmm. I just had a baby. I recorded the entire album pregnant. Um, I gave birth two weeks before it dropped. Beast mode, oh, and dope. then. Um, I recorded and mixed it all while she was a newborn. And so when I shot this video, you know, when women want to shoot a video, it's always like, oh, my God, is my body right? Is my everything right? Um, you, If you don't have a whole glam squad with you, you know, like that's that's the reason why like labels didn't want to hire a female artist back in the day because they would always make this excuse of like, well, their glam squad costs too much and they have hair and makeup artists. And it's like, no, 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 you're just sexist, whatever. (laughs) But so for me, there was this feeling of like, wanting to be seen having a, having had a baby not feeling like this body was my own mm. but also feeling very proud that my body went through this transformation that you know I had a son 10 years ago and now this is my daughter and this is my last child for sure mm. even though y'all hear brown babies and keep making more I'm keep not making, making more. no more <laughs> okay we done um <laughs> 
I wanted to go with somebody that can make me feel beautiful. Mm. And a lot of times also is that you come across these fake ass douchey dude <laughs> photographers that mm-hmm. want to make you feel beautiful and yeah, put yeah, you yeah, in yeah, underwear yeah. in the park <laughs> next to the swing set. Yeah, little... um, yeah and, and I had to avoid that kind of imagery for a long time. So, you know, I only work with um, female photographers for that reason, for safety reasons, mm, for stylistic up. reasons, for choice reasons, for solidarity reasons. Yes. Um, I actually tell male photographers that I'm sexist because I don't work with men. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, sorry, bro. I know you want to take a photo of me, but no. Yeah. So this photo um, was like the second shot of our video which we all shot on my iPhone by the way what yes because I remember I seen you you had an event not maybe a few months ago yeah, right it was about shooting Apple. a video at Apple yeah we talked I hella people. wanted to go there but I mean you know what um a lot of people think like a lot of people think that it's hard to make videos and it is like it costs money like it mm-hmm. costs money I've paid for the majority of my videos um, and left it in the hands of professionals but then I dropped like a rack on my iPhone 10 and I'm like <laughs> we gonna shoot the video oh. on this shit hey. <laughs> and so but I also knew that she was a photographer and she had never shot a video before but her mm. framing she works with 35 millimeter film. Okay, well, I, in this day and age, I can tell she she has the eye because oh even even just the style in which your video was oh shot, I was just like, I fucking love this. Yeah, it's like a moving portrait. It is. Basically. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yes. It is. Yes. So all of the all of the ways in which you're uh, positioned, the the way that you're looking at the the camera, oh and you're just um, you're just delivering your bars. And not performing. It's just all of this standstill. It's yeah. a moving portrait. It's, it's all framing. It's beautiful. all, and that just shows you that, like, basically. That's the why vid- this is iconic to yes, me. Yes, yes. But that photo is from her 35 millimeter shot. Mm. So this is not from my iPhone, but there was a shot of this live in my video. But I also wanted her to use film because the feeling of film makes yeah. me think of San Francisco, of yeah. old San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And when I chose to shoot my video in the Excelsior, we didn't use crazy, crazy landmarks. We didn't use um, low riders like I have in the past. We just wanted to shoot in my old neighborhood. And so this is at a school where um, we were shooting and um, Izzy oh. was nearby and she had to eat. And we, were like, and we knew that we wanted to get a breastfeeding shot because Kate has done it before. Okay, so you thought of this. Yes, we wanted to include it um nice. because we also knew that it had never been in a video before we had never mm. and we did do it before cardi b did it because oh, cardi b a... did it it was a stunt baby it might have been cgi oh, that's right. baby the, the, mon- the money video huh <laughs> yeah and i oh, love that, was a, that video that was, i love that video too oh so that wasn't God. culture hell no that wasn't culture that was a cgi baby well, uh-uh. her little leg was no see my baby that's was not right a CGI you did do baby. this first you yeah, did, did do this first i did but you know like i said it ain't about hey. it ain't about necessarily who did it first it's about the fact that we getting it out there right. like we, we want to normalize yeah. breastfeeding we want to yeah. normalize it so that we're not sexualizing women yeah. mm. but i did have some really big boobs and i was very happy about that <laughs> in the video <laughs> But I also wanted to remind you who them boobies was for, and that's yeah, for my daughter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you would be amazed to think that like something that is so natural as that is like can get you more looks than a fucking random dude pissing on the street. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I belong here. Do you belong here? Right, like, yeah. I'm eating at a restaurant. Can I not feed my baby here? Right. Um, so there's all these horror stories, and, and especially women who come up to me and they feel like, 
I feel really seen with this image. I feel yeah. seen mm. with this video. I feel represented and I feel less scared to feed my baby in public, which is crazy. It's so controversy, uh, controversial. Controversial. Right? Yeah. Like, why why, why is breastfeed? Why, why is a woman sitting outside at a park, at a bench, in a restaurant? Whatever, in a restaurant, right. in right. an airport, feed, in a plane. to feed her baby, right? To, you know, to open up her breast so that she can feed yeah, the yeah, child. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why is that such an issue to where folks might need you to cover up? It just shows you where, where women's bodies are policed, like, yeah in public mm -hmm. you know like when we leave period. our period when period. we leave our house we have like the anxiety of being a woman is like you already policing me for what i'm wearing where right. i'm at right. then you got this baby and now all of a sudden you got your titty out and i don't know how to feel about it well right. guess what you can feel however you wait as long as however you want as long as you don't look this way and say something right i don't care it ain't about mm, you, bro. It's right. about this cr this crying ass baby who don't want to be under no nursing rap. And right. let me tell you something. It is true. When I had my first son, I had a nursing rap, and I feel like that created more attention. Mm. Like I would do this so that, whole ritual of like putting it over us, putting it over, feeding, right? Then everybody would want to know what's going wow. on under there. So I'm like, all right, second baby, I'm gonna show you what's going on under this titty <laughs> going in her mouth, and it might square her in the face, and you are gonna have to deal with it because guess what? It ain't none of your motherfucking business hey, anyway. That part. So you know me making eye contact with the camera yes. with my daughter who is not worrying about shit but eating. Mm -hmm. I think that is the part that resonated with people the most is because we've been taught to avert our eyes and and be shameful of this moment. And yeah. here I am, okay. um, doing what I got to do. Yeah, basically, basically. Yeah, and I love. I just I'm someone who looks at studies the whole image, right? Mm -hmm. Again, I was pointing out the fact, and I also knew that you were wearing a 415 chain because i seen it highlighted in the video, right? Like, everything about this is Frisco, even the 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 uh, location in which you're at with this little nook where the window is. <laughs> it looks very familiar, very Excelsior, Crocker mm -hmm. Park, mm -hmm. Amazon, McLaren, mm -hmm. all that. Um, I just love it. And even just your face in it. Like, your face is looking at the camera like... It says so many things. What you looking at, mind your business, and... And yeah. what, right? That's because we were shooting on the street in the Excelsior. Yeah, <laughs> in the mission. So midday, that's real. midday. Oh, yeah. Oh, one was on a Saturday. One was, we were, I mean, I had to find the neighborhood that I felt most comfortable being on the street. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, and you know what? Excelsior is my neighborhood. So that's you'll right. see a lot of crazy shit out there. But people just, it's family. So they just yep. keep it pushing. They just keep it pushing. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's what's okay. up. That's just well, a picture hey, over there feeding her baby. I see you on the fruit stand. Hey, <laughs> 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 yeah i just i just really love thank this you photo. it means a lot to me because you know do, what are your pronouns uh bruh homie i love it i love it when a bruh um highlights something like that that you know like a lot of times it's the men that are uncomfortable with mm. it you know because it, boobies are supposed to be for you you know what i mean or whatever like you know they're sexualized so yeah. it, it, to me for a man to feel that impact that this is iconic this is something that it, it made an impact on me it's important to me because art is universal you know as long yeah, as yeah. i can create some kind of feeling and that's how i know that we did what we had to do with that because it resonated with you somehow so mm -hmm. you're receiving all my messages yes all of them, <laughs> all of them. I love it. I love all it. the messages <laughs> i definitely would love this like 
on a poster in the house. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, yeah. Mm. So what I was saying was that um, Beat Rock Anniversary is on October 6th. 10 year. 10 year. 10 year. Yeah, 10 year. 10 year. That's huge. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a big deal to have an independent label like that survive for 10 years. Um yeah, uh, that's not like Rockus or um, Stone's Throw or, or whatever, you know, um, that is, you know, POC owned and mm. and has artists like myself. Um, it is a big deal, but um, I, I'm pretty sure I think we're going to put this on a shirt. We're going to put this image on a shirt for Beat Rock because I haven't done a shirt with Beat Rock. I just wanted to make sure that I got Kate's permission, but I think I do. And so it will be available on a shirt. Hey. So if I got, if you want me to get the ooze sizes, I, I need the ooze size. Just that. let me know and I will get a special ooze size. I need that. You know, what's funny is because uh, so uh, as a big dude, right, as a big dude um, who's always been self-conscious about having uh, I call them middies. Mm. Man plus titties equals mittis. <laughs> Midi <laughs> gang. Midi rock. Midi rock. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would love to rock this shirt just because yeah. of, you know, the impact it has uh, on on me, right? Like, it's not about me. It got nothing to do with me, but just how much I appreciate something like this. I know I'm going to rock it, and it's going to be a, bill, a billboard on this hey, motherfucker. You feel me? You feel me? My midi might pop hey, your midi out. Hey. Your titty out. My middies and your middies, we can coexist. That's what it's all about. It's the midi titty committee. Hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I always try to think about you know, my demographic and like, you know, I got to think about my oozes too. So you let Where, me know. And, yeah. and, um, what I try to do is instead of making merch, you know what I mean? Like even with the collab that I did with Fung with my artwork, uh, I try to make it like more, instead of like being like a shirt with a brand, it's like, we try to make wearable art basically. Mm, right, we try right. to create something that looks good on a wall that can stand the test of time, but also be accessible to our um, working class folks. So that you can wear my billboard on your middies <laughs> and make a statement like a and fuck with it and right? be in solidarity at solidarity the same time. Fuck, so there you go. Like, there we go. Fuck there Target. You have it. Fuck the Gap. <laughs> uh, fuck all them other brands that you like to wear. Um, you are actually in solidarity when you support artists and especially yeah. when you support artists that are supporting other artists. Like, yes, it's just It's just making the dollar stretch, basically. You said something key. I think this is why this image is iconic is because this will stand the test of time. Oh, yeah. thank you. You know, and I hope that, you know, when Izzy gets older and even uh, your son gets older, you How know. How old that... was Izzy in this picture? Oh, she, uh, I feel Newborn. like she was like, she might have been two or three months. She hella big. <laughs> she might have been two months, actually, two months in that page. That yeah, well, right. she's big because she was nine pounds when she was born. Oh, damn. He, you know, I like, me, I like my sugar, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I had a little bit of the, of the um, what my son calls the stational diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> the, stational. the stational. You basically pricked my finger and, and, um. Sugar. Corn syrup Corn came syrup. out. <laughs> but yeah, she a big right. girl. Yeah, she a big girl. It. How old is she now? She is turning 17 months. What that mean? Okay, I know. I know these months. <laughs> I know. So she's basically one and a half. One so and her a birth, half. She's a oh, Taurus. Okay. Taurus so do gang. The math. Do the math. Taurus, Taurus, Taurus gang. Another Taurus gang. Taurus gang. Yes. Well, I just, yeah, just really want to highlight this image and hopefully all y'all listening We'll go and tap in with this photo and just definitely see how dope it is. 
Um, Thank you. Show some love. Shout out jacket. to Kate. Shout out to Kate. That jacket. Yes, it's all of it. It's all of it. Thank you. So we're going to go uh, pay some bills real quick, and y'all tap in with these community announcements, and we'll be right back. Yay area. San Francisco, Oakland. Tap in with this new film, Moana Nui Akea. One ocean, one people, one canoe. Celebrates the historic Malama Honua worldwide voyage that connected countless individuals and communities from around the globe. Directed by Naalehu Anthony. Tap in with our link on our Instagram. Uh, and if you have your phone available, check out our bit.ly. It's bit.ly backslash FTQ Moana Nui Akea. That's M-O-A-N-A-N-U-I-A-K-E-A. All right, y'all. We have reached our ICU segment. This is actually one of my favorite segments. This is where we get to recognize our brown and black excellence and uh, just people who work in our community, who could be our auntie, uncle, family member, cousin, neighbor, play cousin, uh, play cousin. <laughs> <laughs> fake cousin, and then soon to be your husband and wife later. No, no. <laughs> that's, that, that's that shark tape shit. <laughs> it is, though. Like, it's everywhere. We got it. Well, mainly in the shark tank. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be happening up here. In the oh, shoot. Too. But this is where we just bring visibility and we just want to acknowledge, you know, just uh, people in our community that are doing great things, you know, whether it's on the bigger platform or there's just the local platforms. We just want to recognize it. Recognize them. Not it, but them. Anyhow, uh, Danny Boy, who do you have for our ICU this week? All right. So it's, it's hella funny because I just found my ICU last or actually a few hours ago. Mm. Um. I was up hella late and I couldn't sleep and I had seen this um, this sign circulating on social media from the uh, the the big the big um, rally the big demonstration that they had about climate change. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know it's happening all over the world, but this one was happening in uh, I think New Zealand or Australia. Okay. And the sign it read. Y'all want our islands as holiday homes, but don't want to help us save it or help save us. In the words of my dad, Ma'i Maole Alofa. Wow. Which Ma'i Maole Alofa means like... A waste of love. You, yeah, your love is a waste of of time. Right? Yeah. Like you don't really love us. You don't right. really see us. Mm. Um, and this sign, there's a young woman holding it with the, uh, the, uh, the flag from Independence Samoa. Um, but it's actually this uh, a young a young man wrote made this sign and he took the picture and everything, and so uh, before I recognize this young man, his name is Tristan As Asui. I want to read what the post said because it was hella profound. It says, uh, "Oh, also on Instagram you could follow him. It's Prince Tristy, P R I N C E T R I S Y." And he reads, when I was younger, my mother gifted me a gift. I tried my hardest to forget. Whispered lullabies in my ear, her way of teaching me my native tongue. Moi moi pepe was too much for me to care. I hated someone. Told myself I was citizen of this colonized nation. I hated the look of cocoa colored skin. Glad to be New Zealand born, European within. When I was younger, my mother gifted me a gift I tried my hardest to forget. Today I try my hardest not to feel regret. Mm. 
The world will make you feel like you don't belong. The world will tell you straight up, you don't belong. Don't listen. Be proud to be Pacifica. Be proud to be brown. My dad once said, Practice your Samoan so that you know your place in the world. At the time I ignored him and today I regretted it. When I started this journey of being an advocate for climate change, I didn't know anyone else who was pacifica and passionate about it the same way. I hated it. I sat in workshops filled with white people who spoke of our islands as if they felt the effects the same way I did. I cried. I felt tokenized, almost ashamed to be pacifica. But then a YouTube video of, a, of the Pacific Climate Change Warriors popped up on my feed, and finally, I saw people who looked like me, fighting for me. The truth is, this community only accepts Pacifica when it's convenient for them, but I don't fuck with that. I'm more than that. Today, I don't have time to be scared, to be the scared brown kid in a room of arrogant white people. That's not me anymore. And today proved that when Pacifica are called upon, they will show up again and again and again because these are our islands and we need to be in this conversation. We are warriors in our own rights, fighters, writers, educators, lawyers, doctors, all heard their ancestors call and answered. Climate change is real, it threatens us, it threatens our languages, our cultures, our nations, and seeks to destroy us. I live for my people, die for my people, ride for my people. This is what it looks like when Pacifica turn up. This is our conversation. Don't ignore that it is us who feels the effects firsthand. Dad, this is my place in the world. I love that. Selah. <sighs> yeah. Selah, for real. Right? So again, uh, this is my ICU this week goes out to this young man by the name of Tristan Asui. And we got the talking a little bit in the DMs and um, I told him about our ICU segment and he had he asked some questions so that he knew what to write. So I'm just going to I'm just going to read what he wrote. <clears throat> uh, so Tristan Tongi Petelo Asui, born and raised in Auckland, New Zealand, uh, but his heart lies in the villages of Vailele, Vaimaunga, uh, Salelua, Falealili, Samoa. Um, he's currently 18 years of age, y'all. Oh, that's oh. amazing. Young <laughs> the brother, children eight. are the future. Come on, right? I believe. <laughs> I knew it. I knew he was going to Make you want to break in the song. <laughs> It's real, though. Right. They're going hard for a reason. They're going know, hard. Right? hard. He <laughs> they says, need to. He says, people say I'm too young, but I don't see them doing anything, so here I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, his family, his culture, his Samoan name, his country, those are all sacred to him. And nothing means more than uh, Papa Tuanuku. Forgive me if I said that wrong. You know, I got a colonized tongue. Uh, which means Mother Earth. She ties everything I've just mentioned together. Um, Tristan says that they're everything to me. I was brought up in a small farming town where my siblings and I were the only Polynesians around. 
I grew up the only brown kid in school that was tough, and it made me hate myself. But when I got older, I decided enough was enough. I emerged myself and my culture, tried my best to learn what I could, and still learning, and made it a goal to connect with my country. Since then, I felt connected to the earth. She's the most sacred thing to me. When we're born, our placentas are gifted to her mm. in traditional burial. Mm. When we die, our bodies lie with her. She's the one who provided our ancestors with everything mm -hmm. before colonization stripped us of this mindset. Um, Tristan's passions right now lie with his people. He says, I've lived a pretty privileged life. My parents sacrificed so much to give me that life. And they're the ones who taught me to give back. I've worked with the UN Youth New Zealand promoting civics uh, education to kids on the south side of Auckland. The hood or ghetto through knowing who you are, your culture, your people, your place in the world. I'm also an advocate for immediate climate action. The Pacific is drowning, but our community is being excluded from this conversation. Educating uh, people of the earth. I guess a big way I do this is through poetry. Poetry plays a big part in my life. I've never considered myself a poet or a writer, but I noticed that people feel what I write. And I guess that's God using me as a vessel to this message, to get this message across. The world needs us. We need the world. The Pacific needs us. And I'm just a humble servant, making sure the land that birthed my ancestors and carries their bones stays afloat. Malo mm. Faftai Tristan. Tristan. So I know that was long and my reading is off. I always hated reading aloud. <laughs> you got through it. You got I got through, through it. it. I got through you it. You made but, it through. But I just wanted to recognize this young person, uh, Tristan Asui. Doing amazing work. I, I told him yesterday, man, 18 years old and you're doing shit like this. I can only imagine what is what you have, um, what you're going to do in the years to come. And mm. so all of these things, Tristan, I just want to say, I, I see you. you. <laughs> I caught it at the last part. <laughs> I forgot about it. Isn't that. this okay. young person dope though? He's man. dope. Oh my God. It's, it's, it's amazing to see you know, because when you, you remember when you were at that age Bruh. and you're like, oh, all that energy, all that mm -hmm. energy. And when you get to our age, you're like, oh, keep that energy because that's awesome. That like, is. I was not that. thinking about this at 18. Yeah, we need that passion. Mm -hmm. We need, I, I feel like it's, it benefits. Yeah. Conscious. Just, Conscious kid. Yeah. Yes. How about you, Chris? You got an ICU? You know what? I got a couple of ICUs. I, I'm not doing as deep of a dive as you did. Because oh, nah. I didn't do my homework. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I wanted to, um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the future of California, um, not just because 2020 is around the corner, but mm. also because we have recently legalized marijuana. Mm -hmm. And um, I've also been at the other end working in public schools. And so I kind of want to join my two ICUs together because they mm. are related to the future of California. Right. And I am nice. very much a Californian before I am an American, but I'm very much a Frisconian before I'm a okay. Californian. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, 
it's scary because we're at a moment in time where there is an influx of money yeah. with medical marijuana and there is a moment where people like us could have a piece of that. So they're calling it like the new gold rush, right? And as, mm. a, as a Niner fan, as a 49er, as a Frisconian, <laughs> as somebody on. who has survived two tech influxes in her lifetime, you know, like mm. it's important to know, like, is there a place for us here in the future? Because we mm. created the culture that now you're marketing and packaging up. Right. Mm. So um, I really want to say and shout out my cousin Nina Parks hey. from the city. Um, she is doing a lot of organizing around equity. Um, yes. A lot of people don't know. And actually, I didn't even know that I'm an equity applicant, too, because I got locked up before for weed. Mm. That's a whole nother podcast. Though. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's a good start, basically saying that anybody who ever got caught up you know, selling your little dime bags in high school or whatever, or just get got um, locked up or arrested for weed back in the day, you have an opportunity to be an applicant to have a weed business in the future, which is great. Mm. What Nina Parks does and what she did with her Supernova Collective and her work is that she made women of color more visible and um, prominent because just like any other business in capitalism, when you go to the top, it's just a whole bunch of white men right. dealing with each other. Mm-hmm. When you're over here and I'm listening to um, don't give me no bammer weed. We don't smoke that shit in the SFC. Thank you for finishing that. There's a gold, there's a weed, there's oh, a weed, there's exactly. a brown. Hey, hey. Um, Dang, throwing it Yes, back. so being part of that culture where I liked it a lot better before we had legalized mm-hmm. it, you know, like... Um, half of my raps are about weed. Um, Then when we come and see the legalization of marijuana, we see that it is not us that own this, not even the culture. Um, So um, I really wanted to give a shout out to all the women of color in the marijuana industry at this Mm -hmm. very moment that um, I fuck with you. I see you. I support you. I'll smoke your strains. Mm. I'll do whatever it takes to support because, um, at the end of the day, um, this money needs to go to the people that help create it. Yeah, this people, this money needs to go to the community that it robbed from. So, um, hopefully, in the future, that the revenue from this can go towards public schooling, which is another mm. thing I'm very um, passionate about. Yeah. And so speaking about public schooling, my other ICU is I see all of everybody that is fighting for ethnic studies at this very moment. Yes. Um, I wasn't able to do a post of I am ethnic studies, but it's pretty redundant with the work that I do mm. as far as who I am and where I've gotten this message that has become more important than the persona. Mm-hmm. Um I want to say I see you to uh, all the professors, all of my colleagues, all of the students that are really pushing this yes. agenda for ethnic studies. Yes. Because honestly, that should save my life. Mm. Um, I don't know where I would be. I don't know what kind of artist I would be. And I don't know who I would be if I did not learn about my people and the real histories of the indigenous people around the world. So I just wanted to say that we're almost there. And the right. people that are at the very top that are fighting over semantics, y'all need to fucking get it together. Because when I tell you about support versus solidarity, yeah. stop trying to um, stop trying to come in at the very end and add last minute shit and try to hold up the whole process or whatever. Like, let's figure it out. Let's let's make mistakes. Yeah, yeah. But let's get it on through because our people, our young people are dependent on us for their survival. So whoever is at the top trying to slow down, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what community it is. From what I heard, it was the Jewish American community because of certain curriculum. Um, 
or other folks, whoever it is, you need to understand that um, we can we don't have to do this perfectly, but we have to do this now because yeah. our young people are at a point where their brownness and their blackness is being a target. Yeah, right. Um, and they need to know that their history is more than just slavery and more than just colonialism. That right. they need to know, um, and it's more than just glorifying our pre-colonial shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, our pre-colonial shit was mad violent too. Right. But it's all about finding out who you are within your identity, not by how other people defend the traumas that happen to your people. So mm-hmm. I think it's really important. And I just wanted to say that I see every single one of you on mm. my fo- on my feed, on my posts. Um, and like I said, I am ethnic studies. I am because of ethnic studies. And we really need to make that a requirement for all high school kids in California. Shout out. So, yes. Nice. So to Nina Parks and to all the folks that are fighting the good fight um, for ethnic studies, I, I see you, <laughs> Bruh, yeah. you what you what you mean that wasn't as deep of a that, that was that deep, was deep. Oh, okay. he was like okay. I'm not gonna be too wordy I'm not I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be wordy and be deep <laughs> sorry Ooh, I'm a sad my bad nah, thank you so much for bringing up that yes. that's an important conversation because uh, I have seen a lot of um, folks in our community you know, addressing that they are ethnic studies and standing up mm-hmm. in that fight. Mm-hmm. I've seen um, hmm. Drew, Lassie, a lot of the students uh, from uh, different Arise program, mm. like the Arise program at Mount Sac. Yeah. Um, just hella people. Hella people standing up for this. So thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, thank all those folks. Yeah, just, thank, sure. and and thank y'all. Yeah. Thank yeah. y'all. All y'all doing the work. Thank you. Put in the work. We see y'all. And even all our young people out there, I mentioned earlier that there was the the big demonstration, all the demonstrations around the world for the fight um, for recognition about climate change. change. Climate change is real and it's impacting Trail. all of us, especially those of us um, in the Pacific, right? All oh, of yeah. our homelands are yeah. experiencing that. Um, and so we just, we stand in solidarity. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We stand mm-hmm. in solidarity with all of y'all. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Y'all tap into these announcements, and after these messages, we'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da! Samoan Solutions' ninth annual 5K Turkey Trot for charity is coming up November 23rd, 2019. Be sure to register at this link, www.5kturkeytrot2019.bpt.me. You can check out the event website at tinyurl.com backslash ssturkeytrot. Sign up today and let's get out there and run this 5K, y'all. All right. Well, I know we've been doing hell of this already with you, Krish, but we this is our chop it up section where we just get to chop it up and no, we weren't doing that already. <laughs> oh, well, this is where okay. we get to dive in deep. Oh, we get to super chop it up. Hell, right. a super chop All it right. up about you and everything that's going on with you. And mm-hmm. I, I realized, too, that there was points in the intro where we forgot to highlight other things about you, right? And you kind of brought them up in terms of uh, you being a journalist, mm-hmm. you being from Frisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to kind of, because I know we talked a little bit about you being an MC, but let's Let's go back to this journalism thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, what led you to journalism? Yeah, that's a weird question, right? Um, I, I honestly, I honestly think that it came from 
me talking on the phone with boys <laughs> and they Just... were mad boring, right? And I wanted an interesting conversation. So I used to get these little question books uh... and be, you know, like the would you rather <laughs> yeah. right? I love that kind of stuff. And I realized that the kind of boys that I like to talk to and the kind of people I like to talk to, the friends I like to talk to were um, conversationalists. Mm. And it really piqued this interest of how you keep a conversation going. But I didn't use that until much later. I just, I was just gaming for a while. <laughs> gaming. You didn't recognize game. Uh, the bang bang. <laughs> but, you know, so I had my little mouthpiece, my game. Okay, okay, but, little wordplay. Yeah, so as I got older, um, I think it might have been like, uh, I was cutting school or I might have been uh, had in-house suspension or something but they put me <laughs> in another class and in that class they were doing um, an article they were laying out an article mm. and that teacher it wasn't even my regular class they basically assigned me a random homework assignment it was like there's an artist coming why don't you go interview them and this was in high school so I came and I interviewed him, and we actually kept in touch. And uh, I was only like what fifteen years old, and I and I interviewed him, and it came so natural to me mm. that um, I'm not the kind of person that when you see a celebrity that I get starstruck. I definitely mm. I don't know why because I always I'm curious. I always want to mm. know like mm. so what's up like so I get starstruck after like when it's over. Okay. I'm like oh my god I can't believe you still give me a high five. <laughs> <laughs> you know so I keep it all together, but I think. The very basis of me wanting to get to the deeper human condition of people, um, you know, and that was my way of like, because uh, even when I meet people now, I'm always very curious about their lives. Yeah. Um, so then it didn't, I didn't really know I wanted to be a journalist until I got to uh, SF State and... Um, Okay, shout out to the Gators. A shout out to the Gators. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, so I did journalism at SF State and it was a very serendipitous time because mm. I was finishing up my journalism classes and I was actually this is after ethnic studies right so ethnic studies I took it all as GE and then when I started doing um, journalism like the same issues were plaguing me right it was like where are the people that are reporting from their communities mm. like it's just a right. whole bunch yeah yeah of like kids that are like being assigned uh, arbitrary dumb stories and it's like I want to know where my people are because mm. already going to San Francisco State coming from San Francisco as a public school student I was the foreign one I was the odd one oh, out shit. I was the one who like, ain't no city kids that go to SF State that's, you know what I mean like they go to city college <laughs> you know they that's I where they there. go but that's what I'm saying like that's where we go right. so it was such a foreign experience for me mm. that in my final year I said you know what I'm gonna write about my hometown heroes I'm going yeah. to write yeah, about sir. my music because nobody else had heard of it before Word. so simultaneously um, as I was writing working on that story I was pitching stories like that was our homework I pitched a story about how artists um, in the Bay Area specifically from the RBL posse um, <laughs> and specifically Cougnut how they got killed right before they blew up mm, yeah and it was such a morbid story, but it was also a story about potential and what happens to these black and brown folks, especially black folks coming from the city where it took them so much energy to get to a place where they might be successful and yeah. then gun violence just tears it down. Right. So I, f I almost, um, I was like at the very end of pitching that 
and then literally a month later, Mac Dre got shot. Mm. So Mac Dre gets shot, mm-hmm. and now it's like even compounded this thesis that I have of like success and what happens when our hometown hometown artists achieve a certain level of success. Is it crabs in a barrel? Is it the mm. system is against them? And it was sad because even though Mac Dre had passed, the first thing that all my friends told me was like, yo, your story now is so relevant. Yeah. This this is going to be your story. Right. So that actually, Mac Dre passing um, changed the trajectory of my journalism forever. Because wow. then I started, I started reporting on the after effects of what happened when somebody dies which then became the birth of the hyphy movement. Mm-hmm. So I was actually there oh, wow. when the hyphy movement. I would like to say that I am the doula of the hyphy movement. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so all you hyphy babies, you're welcome. Right. I got you in this world safely and hyphily, okay? Hyphily. Like, <laughs> hyphily ever after. What was it like to be in that that space in that time, especially with this? train of thought in your mind right like oh my god you're in this element of the hyphy movement and you're writing about the impacts of losing all these like local superheroes oh yeah local stars totally and so what became a tragedy to the bay area became an opportunity for somebody like me to report on it Mm. because Mm. i knew that i came from that sense of loss i didn't come in here like right damn, what's going on over here? Let me go ask you, you know, like, and and I was really hell bent on that saying that like, you cannot have real journalism if you're not from the community. So I was all about, I was all about, I was actually part of this magazine called Ruckus Magazine. Um, It came out for a short period of time, but it was like a little handheld magazine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was free, and we used to pass it out at Rasputin's. Yeah, yeah. remember Rasputin's? Remember, yeah, 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 yeah. remember yeah, that? Right. It was free, and um, that was this was before social media. So I was the editor of that magazine in my um, in my latter years of journalism. Um, and so to be able to put somebody like Messi Marv on the cover, mm. or have somebody like DJ Cubert on the mm. cover. Mm-hmm. Um, of our own magazine. I, think I remember this. Yeah, I think I remember yeah. It was that. E40. There was E40. There yeah. was DJ Cubert. There was. I totally um, forgot DJ Cubert was from the Bay. Oh my God, he's from the Excelsior. Yeah, he's yeah. He I totally forgot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Buccaneer. He's a bully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I was on the other end. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that I. I was doing rap and writing on the side because as a writer, you do multiple things. Right. right. You know, everybody has their emo poetry phase and everybody has their spoken word poems and nobody ever heard the light of day. (laughs) (laughs) You do it in the mirror, in the shower, whatever. Um, But I didn't take that really seriously because to be quite honest, I couldn't see somebody that looked like me Mm -hmm. as a rapper. Mm. So I provided, I put that limitation on myself. Mm. Mm. But I did see Asian women as journalists, you know, Connie Chung's and your little, (laughs) (laughs) your whatever. So I I felt like I could be somebody that tells the story because Mm -hmm. not only do I have the access, but I also am from the culture. Come on. Um, So when that hyphen movement popped off, like, um, Actually, is where I gained a lot of notorieties because then people started looking at the Bay Area because not only about what happened with Mac Dre, mm-hmm. but then now they were all interested 
because we we were all united yeah. after that. Like there was no beef. Everybody was repping for Mac Dre. Yeah. That's actually how Hyphy was born. And making hella noise. Yeah, because we were like, we're going to do what you were not able to do. And we're going to do it all together. And yeah. we're going to keep that same energy. Yep. And we're going to show these people how we do, you mm -hmm. know. And I think the most important part before social media came out was that that little magazine taught the culture of the Bay Area. Mm. We had a weed of the day. We had a gold <laughs> teeth quiz. I Whether or not you're able to wear gold teeth, you had to take the quiz, which I wrote. Come um, on. We had our, is he hyphy or is he thizzing? Hey. <laughs> had, exactly. Is he doing this? Or is he doing this? <laughs> so it was a little things pre-social media that people love and I used to send it every month to double XL to the source to mm. to all these magazines in New York I would literally package it and send it to these people that I knew and so when we did the Rolling Stone magazine MTV thing um uh, for some folks that don't know, I participated in a reality show called I'm From Rolling Stone. We didn't call it a reality show back then because this was pre-Jersey Shore and all that stuff. <laughs> we called it a docu-series. A docu-series. Yeah. It, it docu reminded me of like, real world, though. Real world was... Yes, but Remember? the difference between real world, which I definitely knew, was we did not live in a house together. Word, okay. And they only focused on work which is why we never got a second season because uh, you know they about that bullshit yeah they about the bullshit and they paid for four separate apartments i think we bankrupted them but i that was the best summer <laughs> the bullshit. best summer i ever had in new york was uh everything was expense all expense paid um but it was just an amazing transformation and you know you can find some clips online and 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 yeah. we can go into a whole nother conversation about that but what it proved to me was that no matter how successful you are, you're going to be looking for people that look like you yeah. up there. Yeah. And it, and also, um, after the hyphy movement popped off, after I did the reality show, which was a contest, really. It was a contest to find the newest contributing editor, which, which I, don't, I don't really... I won. Yeah, I yeah, won. Yeah, I feel like you... I, I, didn't, I didn't know if there was results or anything like that. Oh, but I won. I, I got paid. I was paid. watching the clips and I was like, damn... Oh. It's just killing it. Oh, I mean, they were trying to play me at first. They were uh, trying to really play up the whole gold mm -hmm. teeth, ghetto girl, whatever, whatever, just right. to make a story arc. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of it's true, but like, <laughs> <laughs> you can't paint what colors you don't have, you know? Oh. But, but, um, that was actually the fall of journalism after that, mm, yeah. ironically. Print. Ironically, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I became mm. this amazing brand new hip-hop contributing editor. I did not write one fucking story, <laughs> but I sure did cash in them checks every month That's for a whole sad. year. So I won some prize money. That's how I had my first son. And <laughs> I was literally doing stories and um, I was like interviewing Wu-Tang, six months pregnant. Um, Come on. With my with my baby boy in utero. But what would happen soon would be social media would come and totally eviscerate mm. the entire industry that I loved. And mm. so that's why I decided to start rapping. Because I was like, I see what's coming. Word. I'm not getting paid a dollar a word anymore. You want me to do this for free. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it. So I'm a rap. So I, I felt mm. like I wanted to take more control because when you're a journalist, you have to talk in an institutional voice, whatever institution that may be, whether right. it's if that's double XL, then you got to be talking to their audience. Mm -hmm. And I never could have my own stamp on anything, my voice, mm. my opinion, even in journalism. If you're a true journalist, you can never say I. Mm. You can't ever insert yourself. That's why 
I know all these arbitrary rules that don't exist anymore. And I was like, you know what? This whole thing is, I'm jumping shit. Bye. So mm. I got my little blog. I got my Gorilla Bus Fair blog. And I started just uh, crafting my own voice. And through that came Rocky Rivera, mm. which was basically like, I've seen the smoke and mirrors. I know it doesn't take much. I And I don't even necessarily want fame because I got fame from that show. Mm-hmm. And that's when I experienced the most hate, the most vitriol, the most racism, the most sexism I ever experienced. But you better believe that when they announced that I won, wasn't nobody saying shit, okay? Everybody was real quiet when they found out I won. And if you imagine, I knew I won for a whole year. And everybody was trying to come at me, yo. Like, who the hell is this Asian girl with a grill who talks like she's black, who thinks she can write, who doesn't belong at Rolling Stone? Mm. I just had to let them run their mouths for a while. Because I knew at the very end what was going to happen. You was going to come shut that shit down? I was going to come shut that shit down. I'm going to take my bag. Uh, Here's my bag. Where's your bag? Okay, cool. Because you saying all that shit for free and I get paid to speak on my shit. So, Mm. So, but after that, I got real delusioned. Um, disillusioned because I saw that the country was different than I had thought. And I also saw that I was part of a bubble, the Bay Area bubble, Mm. the San Francisco bubble, Uh where we could talk like this amongst each other, but it was very different out there. And so I kind of withdrew and was like, you know what? I don't need to be famous. I already know what happens with that. I don't need the social social media was so new that people had to log on to my blog and create a profile to hate on me. That's mm. how determined Damn. they were. They had to create Troll. their own blogger. Like a, you're the yes. doula of trolls. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, I, I made trolls apologize to me before, too. But That's like, what's oof. up. That's what's up. But at the same time, it's like, I didn't feel like educating the world. I'm like, mm-hmm. done. Yes, so all that anger, all of that aggression, all of this, like, I'm going to say it anyway. That basically turned into Rocky Rivera, the artist. And so... Mm. What you getting from Rocky is that uncut, is that Hell pure, yeah. Hell yeah. it's that no institutional voice but my voice. Right. And I was finally able to see myself as like, oh, I can't just report on hip hop. I can't just talk about hip hop. I live hip hop. I am hip hop. I am one of the stories of hip hop and immigration yes. and the West Coast and the Bay Area. I am from this soil. I am from mm. this lineage. Mm. And who be it than me, you know, that to not participate into something that I felt like was necessary way before everybody else came out. So this was when there were no female MCs out. This is during the great drought between Missy Elliott and Nicki Minaj. So, Mm. oh, wow. You know, there was was a drought. Oh, completely. completely. There was like maybe 10 years where there was no female. Because when I was a journalist, that's the question that I kept asking. Where are all the female MCs? But all female MCs really needed was access to technology because now you see they're everywhere. Everything. Yeah. So I love it. I lo- I'm so happy about it. But yeah, that's why I made that switch because I love that. I just started to see my perspective as like I didn't think I was ever good enough to tell my story as a narrative of hip hop. Mm-hmm. But when I started to see and report on these people that were doing the same thing or less than I was, then I started to see that I wasn't that different and mm. that I could be. Um, uh, an MC, basically, Word. that I could say, yes, hey. I'm an MC. I'm not a female MC. I'm not a singer. <laughs> would you Would you say that that was like you were able to see that, like that was an impact of you being able to hold all these kinds of interviews? Because you've had the opportunity to interview a lot of great folks locally and in mainstream, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned Wu Tang. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. I got I caught some of those clips uh, mm-hmm. when he was on the show. So he was interviewing like Snoop. 
DMX, yes. Cassie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And I know you have, um, I, I've seen a lot around you interviewing uh, the Jacka, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think just one question to uh, ask about the journalism uh, chapter of your life is like, what what was the impacts of being able to have all those kinds of conversations with folks mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. for you? Um. It was it was very special to me because I knew that I was good at it. Mm-hmm. And I knew that as long as you had to do all you had to do was basically get that person in the room and sit them down. And I had the rest. Like, I knew that, <laughs> like, I up. could talk to anybody. But I also knew that because this was hip hop, that I had a place mm-hmm. and that I was that I did my research and mm. that um, I knew that I can get anybody to talk. And that's the thing is that. As an artist now, I see why artists don't trust journalists, right? It's a whole, like, they don't come from our community. They be asking us questions. It sounds like I'm giving up info to the cops. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When people of color are asked questions and they don't know where that is going, it reminds them of the yeah. justice, the prison, you know, not the justice, the injustice system. It reminds them that they can be incriminated and they get nervous, mm-hmm. you know? But they also know that usually it's a white journalist, a white male journalist, and they'll say some offhand shit and it'll be a completely different article. So they're very guarded. So there's this cultural access that you need. Mm-hmm. So when I sit down with artists, um, the first thing I do is I tell them how much I know about them so they know that I did my research. And they, which, you know, Danny Boy did his research for me. So I was very proud of that moment. Almost too much research. I'm like, did you call him an overachiever? Uh, how, do you know, how do you know about his boyfriend from high school? I know he homo, but... I'm just kidding. No, um... But yeah, and so there's a couple of instances. There was one instance where I had to interview Method Man. He was the only one that was not there. That's so dope. He was the only one that was not there with Wu-Tang. And and I had a hard time getting him on the phone because he hates journalists. Like explicitly told me and his publicist that he hates journalists. So it was really hard. It was really hard. He was giving me one word ass answers on the Uh, phone. hmm. So the first thing that I said to him that kind of cracked it was, what weed is better, Amsterdam or Cali? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good ass question. And then that's when he started chopping it up. And then so what I had learned was that a journalist. (laughs) Yeah. What I had learned was that a journalist had like revealed. I don't know if it was Wendy Williams or somebody. It was a journalist had revealed that his wife had like a cancer diagnosis Mm. before he was even able to tell his family. So that was why he hated journalists. Journalists. Right. And so totally I get it. I get it. But also, what I ended up finding out was that he watched that show. He watched I'm from Rolling Stone. Oh, shit. Because he was in a segment with my boy Russ. And um, so he followed it. And he knew ex- by the end of that conversation, he knew exactly who I was. And he totally, like, congratulated me and, and was like, congratulations on oh, it. Oh, wow. So I, he I went from, like, hating journalists to being like, you watched every episode because you knew you was on one of these episodes. <laughs> 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 yes, that's me. The gold with the one with the gold ones. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. So, um, and even with DMX, like his A and R guy was a Pinoy too, which is always cool when you see those guys in the industry. And and he was like, obviously with DMX, he got a lot of issues, man. I mean, he got a lot of things. Bless his heart. But Mm. when I sat down with him and I interviewed with him, 
his manager was like, you know, he doesn't really open up a lot. You know, he doesn't open up to a lot of male journalists. He doesn't open up to a lot of people, but he was able to open up to you. So I, I always oh, felt like I wow. was able to connect artist to artist, but also like I really wanted to know their story. Like I really wanted to see who how they do you, were. How do you come in? Like, I mean, do you just go straight to the questions or do you just kind of like try to establish relationship with them so you guys, you know, to where they're comfortable and opening up? Well, I think I'm, a, you know, it's it's definitely um, because of all of my experience um, talking on the phone with my <laughs> landline. Okay. Oh, your landline. landline. <laughs> talking about me. Well, we had, remember we had two-way and then we had three-way. <laughs> three-way. Star 69. The you know what it came out. It was popping. Okay. Caller ID, right, right. all of that. <laughs> so my mouthpiece came from years of talking on the phone. Look at that. <laughs> Gift again. Right, exactly. And being comfortable, um, like, and, my, and obviously I went to school for journalism. You know, yeah. I got a degree. Mm. I got a, an, a useless degree in magazine journalism. Because <laughs> what's a magazine? <laughs> what is that? I don't know. Right. So hopefully it helped me understand that, like, you know, you want people to feel comfortable around you because you want to get the story that nobody else can get. Mm. And as an artist, I'm tired of answering the same questions. Like, how do you feel about females in hip hop? Or uh. how do you feel about the state of hip hop? Uh. Or what is it like being in a relationship with another artist? You know, and it's like, Man, you mad boring. Like, yeah. like, I'm gonna hang up on you. Man. Let me get my 25 cents back. Google my answers. Like, like, I'll Google my answers. Conversation somewhere else. Like whatever. No, no, no. So I get it. Like having being removed from it. Like you know, that's why. Like I saw, I saw Travis Scott. Like, I can mention it because I just saw. It, but he did a whole intro of his documentary where he was doing an interview on a roller coaster. Mm. And I'm like, that's how bored y'all are with interviews. You gotta be on a fucking roller coaster to do an interview. So yeah, I think the format is people are tired of it. Yeah. But um. Yeah. But as far as like the skill, mm-hmm. um, I feel like I'm a better journalist now than I ever was. Uh. But there is no more journalism. I mean, it, it's sad to me because there's a skill that I have right. honed. Um, and also, like, I think that when somebody from hip hop listens to somebody like you or you or me, where we have left our dialects mm-hmm. to speak the language of hip hop, mm-hmm. it's a universal language. That's if true. you are a displaced person from any diaspora, which is the African diaspora, the South Pacific, the Pacific diaspora, the Philippine yeah. diaspora. Bruh. Basically. So, yeah, yeah, there's a language that we all speak. And I still think to this day that there is an issue with the people who write about hip-hop. It's always these white men, and they always have Asian girlfriends. So there's something <laughs> wrong with that. <laughs> I, I dig that. There's something, uh, something going on with that. So I never liked that dynamic. That's why I never fuck with it. And I know you. we went into how <laughs> the the journalism aspect birthed Rocky Rivera, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The MC. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned uh, about your interview with DMX. And so I wanted to kind of flip the script on you okay. real quick because you asked DMX uh, a question mm-hmm. in um, the interview that you had with him. And you asked him, at the end of the day, what do you want people to take away from your music? And so I would like us to flip that question okay. on you. Okay, you trying to use my own questions against me. I see. <laughs> I see Because I, I think it's relevant. Uh, I think it's relevant. I mean, I could sit here all day and say, I think, you know, right, this is the message right. I'm getting. But let's hear it straight from you. We want to know. Well, I mean, I think that 
if they can listen and really listen, like listen without the expectation of what you think an MC is supposed to sound like. Mm. If you can really listen um, to the words that I'm saying, because I'm a sequestial. Uh, sesquipedalian. Sesquipedalian. <laughs> and my last name is Delion. Hey. <laughs> my yes. real last name, y'all. I'm yeah, just saying. Yeah. So I'm going to remember that by saying sesquipedalian. Okay, Delion. all right, all right. I got that. Um, but, um, I think there's a line where I say like, um, um, you'll fall in love. You just gotta, you gotta listen to me. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think that for me, my words are the thing that's going to live on, um, after I'm gone, it's my legacy. And so I take a lot of pride in the words that I use, the words that I choose in my raps. Mm. I almost feel like I'm more a writer than I am an MC. And I had to learn mm. how to be an MC because I had to learn which words sounded better um, while still being the most concise lyricist that I can be. So I think when people walk away from my music, hopefully they walk away with the same um, feeling that Bex had, which is, where have you been all my life? <laughs> <laughs> that is the best thing. Right. I, I honestly think that that is... Um, I mean, it's a little sad, too, because it's almost like it's sad for the both of us, right? Because right. you're like, all them years where I was getting turned in my Sheesh. car, you could have been right there with me. <laughs> you know, like, um, I feel like it's it's an homage to my music. It's an homage to mm. uh, my catalog of music. And it's an homage to the fact that I am providing something that people feel like they're missing. Yeah. yeah. Um, an alternate, alternative perspective or a different even sounding voice mm -hmm. or even somebody that um, um, doesn't look like your typical MC. Yeah. So I think that if I can say that I exist... I am one of those exotic Galapagos creatures. <laughs> Come see me. Um, then there's more the young people. Yeah, the outlier. It, it, you know, and that's what we thrived on mm -hmm. as people from the Bay Area right. is that we can be the whole story. We can. You mm -hmm. just have to get to know us and understand our culture a little bit. Meaning. Yeah. You you ain't gonna understand hyphy if you've never been to Oakland, you've mm -hmm. never been to San Francisco, you're mm. never gonna understand. So hopefully, um, people people see how um, hip hop culture is so beautiful, and I don't yeah. even want to use the word diverse because it it is it's mm -hmm. redundant right. when you say that. Right. So um, look for more diversity within hip hop because it exists. That's hopefully what they want. You know what yeah. they want to look for after me. Hmm. Well, I know um, you have you you do have a catalog of work, and your most recent project, mm -hmm. Rocky's Revenge, yes. is out right now, Yay. right? Yes, correct. Check out my little uh, journalistic question. I'm gonna ask mm. you real quick. Okay, <laughs> so they say revenge is a dish best oh. served cold. Yes, exactly. Right? Which one of your tracks do you feel is the coldest on this oh. album, and why? <laughs> Funny you should ask. Because there's a lot of great tracks on oh, this one. Oh, okay. It's almost the one where people are like, are you talking about me? <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, I might be. Um, you know what? I think that first first off, I would think that it was in my lion, right? Because yes. I would think that that's cold. Because let me tell you, that's a real story. Talking about it. Lion. That's a real story. Like, if you want to talk about... <laughs> that's a life. That's someone's life that's right life. there. That's, that's yeah. everybody's life. Like, mm -hmm. we've all been through that. And it really is... It, I've done songs like Girls, Girl Gang. Mm -hmm. um, Pussy Kills. Pussy Kills, Pussy yes. Kills, my but, shit. Yes, but Pussy Kills is not about 
sisterhood as right. much as right. right. yeah, yeah, I know. Right. I know. It can be, but um, what I'm saying is that like I've done the friend songs. I've yeah. done the like these are me and my girls. You can't sit with us. Uh, yeah, fuck mm, y'all. Mm. But then I had to tell the true flip side, which is you know like as a girl in the hood or as a girl growing up in the city, it's like. You can't do shit. Mm. You can't do shit. You can't have your hair cute. You can't have a new lipstick on. You can't outshine nobody. You can't even have two older sisters that fucking helped your reputation. Because mm. then you got to be a target. So mm. bitches hate on you and they will continue to hate on you for any reason. Mm-hmm. Like bitches used to hate on me because my older sister used to mess with their boyfriend. And mm. I'm like, what does that have to do with me? Bitch, you just trying to come up and say something. So throughout the years, when you find friends, you hold on to them tight. There As you a go. girlfriend, you you loyal. You know, loyalty mm-hmm. is really important to me. And I thought that I would be done looking for loyal friends in my 20s when right. I wrote those songs. I thought, girl gang, girls, girl. blah, blah, blah. Little did I know. It happens to you at every stage, which is you have a falling out with your friends or people that you thought were friends mm-hmm. for whatever reasons that were unbeknownst to you. But then you realize that it was for a specific reason. It was because you didn't need that energy in your life no more. And we were talking about energy and how much that affects your productivity, your livelihood. Yeah. Yeah. It's real. Mm-hmm. So long story short, I'm thinking it might be am I lying because when people feel it, they think. They don't even know. <laughs> Look at Bex. You can, you can say the text. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna say, as far as coldest, because it actually has real life sh- situations mm-hmm. involved. Like them, that second verse, mm-hmm. I say my real name. You do. Let me say it like this. Let me tell it like this. Never had a friend like me, like Chris. Never had a bitch roll up to your block with the knockouts on, about to handle your shit. Hey. hey. Who says knockouts? Only Frisco people. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what I mean? I said Chris. Mm-hmm. So, when I invoke my real name, yes, mm. that's how you know the people that did me wrong and continue to do me wrong. I'm putting your ass on blast. Talk so, about it. But I'm not going to say your name because mm. I'm not going to give you that publicity. Right. Mm-hmm. Bitch. <laughs> bitch. <laughs> but, you know, also at the very end, I say that I have no, like, my heart is clean. Yes. Like, I have no enemies. I literally have no enemies. Like, I don't worry about nobody. I don't mm-hmm. think about nobody. But as a person coming up, with whatever path you're in, you're always going to face that resistance. And mm. sometimes the sad part is it's going to be your own friends and family. Yeah. And facts. they're going to be jealous or they're going to have an expectation of you that you are not even aware of. And then they're going to use your success against you. Mm-hmm. So I learned that I can't keep that energy around me. I'd rather be um, by my lonely than deal with people who are fake ass friends who only want what you have to offer them and will not be around when you have nothing to offer when you're down and out. And that's the kind of friendships that I had was that I was always a bitch giving advice, but don't let me have a problem because don't nobody know how to help me with that. Mm. You know, so them energy vampires, the energy vampires, it's real sucking the life force out of you. So, uh, I would say, am I lying? But the truth is, Rocky's Revenge is the coldest one because that's where all my bullets are locked and loaded for. Sheesh. I'm not wasting no bullets on no old friends. You you just gonna you just gonna get 
ignored. <laughs> you don't get the blame. You don't get you're, just don't gonna, get you're just gonna act like our friendship never existed, which is even worse. <laughs> that's that's worse. <laughs> that's worse. Well, that's worse. Well, look. Okay, so I'm glad you mentioned Rocky's Revenge because <laughs> I, I, I mean, there's a lot of songs on the album I really love, but Rocky's Revenge has to be one of the hardest songs to mm. me on Fuego. the album. And truthfully, I don't like songs with that kind of beat because I feel like. Right. I don't know. You know, I want some knocking. I want right. some like a slam. Like some boom bap. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. everything you drop it in there, I'm like, this shit is fucking fire. Mm. So, Rocky's Revenge opens up with these bars. does lineage mm. or matriarch mm. mean to you and who who do you come from and what do you plan on passing down oh my god to your lineage oh god, I love we want to know you're not gonna find that question at barnes and noble no. <laughs> oh i love it i get off on questions like that okay let's repeat that who is the lineage that i what is the lineage that i will pass on yes what is the lineage that you pass on um, and what does lineage or matriarch mean to you? Okay. So that whole intro was about this particular quote that I have on a patch that I bought. And it says, we are the daughters of the witches you were never able to burn. Mm. So when I talk about burning us at the stake, whether you are a healer of a bylon, a medicine woman, somebody who when Christianity and Catholicism came to our country to um, colonize us, those were the first ones. The healers were the ones that um, were pagans. They were um, they were mm. the ones that were destroyed, mm -hmm. but not all of them, right? Mm -hmm. Not all of them. The ones, um, you know, medicine women are so sacred. You know right. what I mean? And so when I speak those lines, I'm, Speaking from a place of the granddaughters that know that it's in them that mm. have been suppressed, mm -hmm. but also I'm speaking very literally because my mom is a healer and my mom is a medium. And um, even till this day, and you know, she's suffering memory problems. That's why I was talking about how um, it made her lose her mind because she had a stroke. And so she's going through early Alzheimer's right now, which mm. is Sorry really the energy that I had in Rocky's Revenge where I was like, fuck everybody. Like, yeah. my mom is a healer, I'm a healer, but where the fuck are all of you at right now? You right. know, and that's really where it came from is that when you heal people, who heals you? you right. know? Basically, who heals the healers? So, yeah. so when I talked about um, lineage and matriarchy, I wanted to make sure that not only was I bringing that healing energy um, through my music, through whatever it is that I was gifted to do, but that I would protect it at all costs. And I would mm. make sure that nothing would ever happen um, through um, whether it was like 
um, forces that were against us or whether it's from people forgetting, you know, like I wanted to make sure that this lineage will continue to exist no matter how much it's persecuted. And you could call it a bruja, you can call it a witch, you can call it a priestess, you can call it whatever you want. But women with power who could heal themselves and their communities and did not need nobody for shit and mm. can live off the land, that's the kind of shit that I'm gonna pass on to my daughter. Yes. For sure. Yes. For sure. Because that is what people fear is the knowledge that a woman has to heal herself, to heal her people, and possibly put a spell on your ass. Jeez, <laughs> don't fuck with me. Okay. Because I got them incantations too. <laughs> Shit. You know what I mean? But at the yes. same time, it's like, where are all the women healers, you know, and who is taking care of them, who is uplifting That's them and upholding facts. them? Yeah. We need to remember that because Mother Earth needs it. So, That's yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful yeah. answer. Well said. Thank you. Um, I got, I got another, I got another deep one. Um, there was an interview that I caught wind of that you did with, uh, Penn Darvis. Hey, Harsha. Harsha. Shout out OG Penn. He works for KQED. He's like the homie. Yeah. He's dope. Okay. So this interview he did with, uh, Open Space, which is a, yes. it's a really dope space that I learned about because of this interview. Oh, okay. That's associated okay. with, uh, SF MoMA. Yes, exactly. It was from a, a grant that he got. Yes. To, it was like part of his um, stories project that he got. Yeah, yeah. He's so y'all awesome. chopped it up about this uh, sandwich generation. Oh, yes, yes, Right, yes, and yes. y'all define sandwich generation as the age group that has to take care of their parents and their offspring. Exactly. Mm. And thinking back to a clip that I seen when you was uh, with the Rolling Stone mm-hmm. uh, television show, they yeah. caught a part of you, um, you know, kind of. Arguing with my mom. Arguing with I know. Your mom, One of my right? biggest shames in my life was it's arguing not... with my mom on, on television. television, yelling at her <laughs> but ass. You, but you said something that was so uh, so relevant and so relatable. And I know that this um, that that I've seen this before in my community, mm-hmm. right, with a lot of folks who have to take care of uh, their parents, their siblings, and their offspring. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Right? And so um, with all of that, right, the pressure, and you're the youngest, Oh yeah, exactly. Right? Usually, it's the eldest mm-hmm. that that has to do all of that. Usually, mm-hmm. usually. Uh, what impact has that had on you, and how have you grounded yourself in pushing forward with having to deal with that kind of pressure of being the the provider for right. you know? I mean, it's hard, and I think that anybody who has to take care of their parents at this very moment, I don't know if you came from a family that was like, we don't believe in nursing homes. You ever stick me in a goddamn nursing home? It's a wrap. You better, you know what I mean? And that's a fear that Filipino parents have is that you're going to have some random person taking care of me. And that's the fear. And so um, just, it brings me a lot of pain because I, my parents didn't make enough to retire and live comfortably in America. And they knew that. Mm. And that's so sad. That was a sacrifice they gave to me was that they gave me citizenship. They worked 20 years doing nursing in the military to give me citizenship for a pension that would never be able to support them. Mm -hmm. And that breaks my heart because that means that my, my children won't be close to their grandparents Mm -hmm. because they can't afford to live here. And so, um, that's added stress right there. The, the other added stress is that when you end up taking care of your parents um, it, or one of your family members gets sick, you're going to see the true colors of your family come out. Come on. You're yeah. going to see 
You're going to see the people that you got along with. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden. So if you're saying that I'm the youngest and I'm taking care of my mom, then there's a question is where the hell is everybody else? Right. Where's the eldest? Because usually... Where, where's the eldest? That's a good question. <laughs> you know, like... Uh-huh. But here's the thing. <laughs> I always had to fend for myself my whole life. That's mm. probably why I am who I am, you mm. know? And I, I actually volunteered to be the one to take care of my mom. I was it wasn't put on me and I have a lot of resentment around it but I knew that I could yeah. because I knew that I was responsible and I knew that that would be the gift that I could give back to her is stability. Mm-hmm. Wow. But it made me so cutthroat with everybody like some people have not even met my daughter mm. in my own immediate family. Wow. Like my father hasn't met my daughter, my eldest sister hasn't met my daughter. Mm. So when you hear me say specific things like I watched my sisters fall apart um, I hate it, but I'm stronger than ever. Yeah. That's some real ass shit. You know what I mean? Because um, that's why I feel like Rocky's Revenge is cold because it's like, oh, how can I be cold when I'm telling the truth? Right. Tell me I ain't right. fucking lying because right. this is what's happening right now. And the, her whole role basically was that my mom is a healer and she always has been a healer. Mm-hmm. Like, let me tell you, I went to a psychic and they knew this about me. Mm. And what they said to me when I got my aura read was... Your ancestors don't want us to read you right now because you do things in a different way and they're protecting this ancestral knowledge. Basically, they asked, is your mom a healer? And I said, yes. And they said, "Okay, well, they don't want us accessing this information. Mm. So what I made in my lifetime goal is if they don't want these random Berkeley psychic white people to access it, how the hell can I access this ancestral knowledge, you know, wow. that my my ancestors are protecting? And so that brought me closer to not just my mom um, and taking care of her in her older age, but to also being like, all this energy I put out to healing all these ungrateful bitches. <laughs> Where the fuck are you at now? You right. know what I mean? And right. it's like, you don't realize that even just having a conversation with somebody is healing. So even me being in your space and asking you how you're doing yeah, and being yeah, my yeah. energy and being up and just whoever I am is is something that should be um, appreciated and reciprocated mm-hmm. that when you're down and out and you don't have that energy to be that person, who the fuck is going to heal me? Who's going to heal me? So guess what? I had to heal myself. Mm, That's what this yes. album represented. And And as a dish, best served cold, I love that you brought that up because the reality is... Yeah, I did that song. Yeah, I talked about that situation. But guess what? I didn't do shit. I didn't come at you. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't beat you up. I didn't roll up to your family spot. Yeah, name I didn't even tell your friends what you said about them. Mm-hmm. All I did was tell my story, and I healed myself by yes. telling my story. And I didn't have to even exact revenge on you. Mm. I just had to heal myself. That's the best revenge of all. Is. Oof. Like I said, I'm not in your life no more. I'm sorry. Because yeah. I'm hella fun. Like, <laughs> it's popping where I'm at. <laughs> Damn. But yeah, so, you know, there was a lot of pain. And I'm glad you asked that. Because, like, you know, even a year later, I almost feel like, okay, I'm not in that place no more. So that's, like, a good thing for me. Because it's really a marker of my healing. Word. And sometimes you got to get through the anger. The anger has, you know, a purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to yeah, get yeah. through the anger to find those boundaries. And then you got to change your expectations. And then that's how you heal yourself. Hmm. You sit there and you say, I'm not going to expect people to love me the way I love them. It's not the same. So that's what I had to do. That's so, love it. that's so like, 
above and beyond. You know, I think uh, when we think about ego, uh, when we think about passing on mm -hmm. uh, this um, this this legacy, we want we want our children to almost be like us, right? Right, and right. do like us. Mm -hmm. uh, which brings me to my which brings me to my next question. Might have to be around the penultimate question. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Penultimate. Okay. Um, you also have a conversation about this thing called uh, you exercise in narcissism. Oh yeah, yeah. Pen, right? Pen brought that up. Mm -hmm. uh, and in the interview, you mentioned that you've named your son after the Lebanese poet Khalil uh, Gibran. Gibran. Mm -hmm. Gibran. It could be Gibran Gibran. I don't know. It's okay. The same shit. Uh, in in many of our well, in many of our uh, indigenous cultures, naming someone after another person is a big deal, mm -hmm. right? Um, it has meaning to the relationship that we have with someone. And so I wanted to just ask you, what was the inspiration or the significance of naming your child after um, Khalil Gibran? Khalil Gibran? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, I love me some books. Yeah. I love me some books. If I didn't name him Khalil, I might have named him Santiago after the main character in The Alchemist because that was my favorite book. <laughs> but Santiago, that didn't go. That didn't ring. True. So um, what I wanted to do, I wanted to name him with the K letter because the K is indigenous to R alphabet in the Philippines. There is no C. Mm. So everything we say is with a K. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, in our community, if you see the tattoo on my neck, there is a symbol called the Ka symbol. Oh, yeah. Yes. I've heard of that. Yes, exactly. So it, rec it, it represents community. Mm -hmm. mm. And so I wanted him to be Ka something. Mm. Mm. So I named him Khalil because um, that book really um, what became a blueprint of how I walked in the world. And it taught me about children and mm -hmm. how we should not try to make them miniature versions of ourselves and how right. they are their own person right. and that we yeah. are just gifted with this ability to bring them into this world. Mm. But we are not their whole world. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, I'm a very, my mom was a very hands-off mom. Like, I don't know if it was the 90s or she that she just let me do whatever the fuck I want because I was the youngest. But, um, you know, I am that kind of mom because I want my children to learn about things. I don't mm -hmm. want to indoctrinate them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's why I became the artist that I was because I grew up without religion, mm. without the guilt of Catholicism. Mm. Wow. I grew up without the limitations of that and what it might have done to me as a woman. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm grateful that my father had was a philosopher because my true namesake is Krishnamurti, which is why my name is Krish. And he was an Indian philosopher that basically said that there was no path for you to truth except your own path. Is that why the artwork is of Krishna? That is another reason why. Yes. Wow. Well, it's of Kali, right? Oh, it's Kali. Of Kali. Oh, I'm, yes. I'm sorry. That's I'm sorry. okay. But, but people don't know that. They don't know that I was named after an Indian philosopher. Wow. That's they don't know dope. that I I was raised um, f with a father that followed um, the philosophy of Krishnamurti, mm -hmm. that the artwork by Fung, she's Cambodian and she's Buddhist. So that has a long lineage with Hinduism. Mm. Um, so when people come and be like, yo, you culturally appropriated this goddess, I'm 
Like, here they go again they go with, with their they lack of facts. <laughs> Please don't sit me down because I've been chopping it up mm-hmm. all day about what this means. But yeah, so um, he, you know, basically my namesake, he said, don't even follow me. He said, I can't tell you what your truth is. Mm. This man can't tell you. Jesus Christ can't tell you what your truth is. Don't follow nobody, basically. He just basically said, you will always find your path to truth and you cannot follow anybody else's path. Mm. So that made me a terrible person to manage (laughs) in a job. (laughs) (laughs) But that made me a great MC because I was like, fuck authority. Fuck what you think. Fuck the establishment. Fuck fuck you activists. Fuck you academics. Fuck everybody. None of y'all can tell me shit. Fuck all y'all. Fuck all y'all. <laughs> Basically, so yeah, and, and not only that, but Money the truth. Fuck friends. I need a homie that know me. My bad, my bad. No, it's all good. It's all good. But yeah, so so basically, you know, I learned not to rely too heavily on um, authority or faith or organized religion or anything that might give you their prepackaged version of what the truth might be. And right. and, and that was a gift for me that my parents gave to me was That's that dope. they gave that I came into good. this world liberated. And my goal is that every person that feels unliberated in some way is inspired by the things that I grew up not having to deal with, which mm-hmm. is guilt and um, oppression in one area of my life. Everywhere else I feel it. But in this part, I had the freedom to to create whoever I wanted to be. And I yeah. think that's the power of what we can do. Because that. that's where the lineage shines through throughout the ages in abs- like d- in spite of oppression. Mm. Because that's the voice of your ancestors of saying like, yeah, motherfucker, it's my throat chakra. I'm about to work this bitch out. <laughs> <laughs> you about to get all of this. Okay. You know what I mean? So anyway, exactly. Any way that you can share your gift or your lineage or your healing, which is my healing, right? Like yeah. the thing that hurt me also heals me. Um, mm. That uh, that hopefully that that's what they feel. is, And that's what my children feel is mm-hmm. that they can feel free to be and follow whoever they want because they are their own person. I did not create a clone of myself. Right. I was just fortunate enough to be able to give this gift of life to, to anybody, to my, especially to my daughter who like, when you have a daughter, it's different. It's scary. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you watch the news, you look at your kid. You watch the news, you look at your daughter. And and yep. that's the scariest part. So that's why the um, the vision of Kali Ma and me as Kali is so fearsome. Is because she is the mother, um, and she is the destroyer of illusions mm. and evil. But she is also the great pr- protector. So you know, I got that mama bear energy. Like I love you, right. but I fuck somebody up. You yeah. know what I mean? Because I love so much. I have so much to protect. You know. So mm. I feel like. Um, People resonated with that imagery because um, they they wanted to know where their rage could go, whether yeah. it could be healing and it can be healing. And and I want them to channel all that energy into voting this motherfucker out of hey. office Come on. <laughs> and eradicating white supremacy, eradicating patriarchy, eradicating those harmful um, legacies of violence against our people. Yes. And 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 some, like I said, sometimes it's just healing yourself. Mm-hmm. It is not even about going out there and trying to be activists because a lot of y'all activists out there are fucked up. Mm. Y'all need to go fucking get some therapy. 
Mm. Stop using the fucking movement to fucking unload your bullshit. Mm. Okay. So like I said, even the movement I don't trust 100%. And we'll see that with the Me Too movement coming out. We knew mm-hmm. you wasn't as woke as you thought you were. Right. You know, so so I just think it's important to have that sense of like, not just from my journalism side of being like, ask questions and, and, and don't trust, but also of the artist side of being like, you can feel when somebody's being real. Yeah. So hopefully people will feel that and my children will benefit from a legacy of like we wasn't following no set protocol Mm -hmm. like this is what it is and this is how we liberate ourselves we don't need nobody else's help you know what i mean wow that's dope (laughs) that's hella (laughs) dope (laughs) i love it all that to say i love that i love that so much uh just this last question this is last question uh, thank you thank you for everything you've given us thus far right? <laughs> because there's just hella gems dropped and we're gonna make this one a little lighter we're gonna make this one a little lighter you oh, know okay. what I mean okay I can keep it light too <laughs> <laughs> well if you could work with anybody dead Ooh. or alive who would it be dead or alive and your top three Oh, top three. I could have three. You can have yeah. three. Oh, great. Okay, okay good. Dead or alive. Jenner. You already know I said Tupac, so come on. Hey. Okay, Pac off top. Pac off top. Um, Second person I want to work with, because I, I just found out she follows me on Instagram, Cardi B. Hey, oh, what? what? Okay. okay. <laughs> I see you. Let's do a yay area, Bronx hey. connection. Yes. Let's get culture and Izzy together for a play day. Hey. And the Offset and Bam can do what daddy daycare <laughs> on the road. No, but truthfully, though, yes, like, yes. I lost my shit because I don't care. Any hardcore ass rapper follow me. Cardi B follow me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so, yeah, that's dope. Like, I really appreciate that. That's um, dope. She found me through a list um, where, like, they were really trying to pit us against each other. And mm. I literally was like, don't try to put me against Cardi B. I'm Barty Gang. So that's hey. how she found me. <laughs> so she found me through that. So I appreciate that. And the third person that I would want to work with... um, I feel like is uh, Andre 3000. Mm. Yeah, he's like the elusive one. He's yes. like, I don't know. He's just amazing. I just love him. And he's just like. I didn't expect that answer. That's a dope answer. Yeah, I mean. I can see it though. I don't know why I would expect any answer. But you no, know, I, that's I, what I love I'm saying. that. Like, I don't know what kind of artist I would want to work with. But I think that he's the one I'm like, he's so elusive. Yes. And I'm such a fan of him. And he has managed to keep this aura around him of being like this musical genius like Word. I just want to pick his brain I want to like hang out and just make music yeah that that's like the creative like dream like it's like almost being in the studio with Jimi Hendrix right because he plays that's mentor oh. right there that's yeah mentor. it's like if this is hip hop if I'm going to look for somebody who's like I could learn from in the studio it's like oh hell we're gonna, yeah we're going to put it on a Hendrix beat hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> featuring Mac Dre <laughs> I got some samples uh, Mac Dre's number four by the way sorry yeah. Uh, <laughs> I should, actually, I should have said Mac Dre, but nah, it's all you can good. Have your number four. It's all good. That's right. <laughs> thank you so much. This is thank been, you, this Danny has been Boy. So much Bex, fun. Appreciate you. I was hoping you say, you know, left eye. <laughs> oh, I know, left eye. I know. You know. I know. See, when you start thinking, then you're like, oh, everybody invited to the dance Everybody. Party. Bob, ah. Marley. You know? but, then, but, then, but then you start to think like everybody did. Yeah. So you're like, okay, <laughs> I don't want to invite all them dead people to my party because that means I'm dead. <laughs> no, it's our ancestors. Exactly. Make an album with the ancestors. Hey, <laughs> the saddest, most lit album ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh, well, 
again, thank you so much. We got to get up out of here. But before we do, how can folks get um, how can folks get in touch with you, your music and what, what you got coming up? Okay, okay, okay. Um, I got that video for the cold, one of the coldest tracks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, we'll be on the lookout for that. Yes, that is actually one of the last videos I'm doing with Northbound Films because they have done a lot. They did Pussy Kills. They did um, Ain't No Way. They did all those videos. So we are dropping that in the next week or so ahead of the Beat Rock Music 10-year anniversary in Los mm. Angeles at the Bootleg Theater. We got good folks like Prometheus Brown, Classy, um, Ruby Ibarra, of course, G. Amazawa, myself, DJ Rosa, um, Bamboo, mm. and just everybody on the roster um, celebrating 10 years of making independent, dope um, rap that is not necessarily Filipino hip hop, which is what people think it is, but it, and it's not necessarily always conscious. It's just independent um, that is for the people for sure. Uh-huh. So we're doing that. And um, yeah, and and actually, I think that if you can make it out, I don't know when this is coming out. When is this coming out? Monday. Monday. Oh, it's coming out Monday. So yeah, this week, that video about to drop. And this hey. weekend, hey, hey, and I shot in your Sunnydale. Hey. Oh, stop it, hey, Geneva, Geneva. Um, Cal Palace. Hey. <laughs> I can say anything in y'all get lit. <laughs> You're all taco, KFC hey. taco, hey, right on that corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so, yes, the video is dropping this week. Mm-hmm. It's called Am I Lion? Um, and um, the Beat Rock anniversary is what we're excited about. And we're doing this brand new set. And um, we'll be on probably, I don't know, maybe around 6 o'clock. So if you come through, it's a daytime event and it's family friendly. Because I know my demographic. I know y'all got kids so now. Which are old okay. ass. So <laughs> <laughs> Are you old heads? Active asses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we made it family friendly and we made it at a reasonable time on a Sunday so that the family can join us. So. Um, I didn't say my rhymes are going to be family friendly, but I'm just saying, uh-huh. I'm going to say what's up to your kid as I'm singing Pussy Kills. Hey! If that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, your baby need to know how they got into this world. So okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, um, if you want to follow me, if you think that anything you hear is dope, like hit me up on IG. Like I always get back. I mean, you heard what Danny Boy said. I hit him up way, way, way back when. Right. Just just because Cardi B follow me, don't think that I'm too good to hit you back because okay. I will hit you back Um, as long as yep. it ain't about no bullshit. You know what I mean? Like hit me up. I'm so accessible. I'm almost too accessible. So don't always hit me up, but hit me up. <laughs> <Yeah. if> you, <laughs> yeah. Hit me up if you want to learn more. And if not, like just... Everything's available on Spotify, on Apple iTunes, on mm-hmm, YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny Boy did such a great job doing all your research. So if he can find <laughs> out all that info about me, I'm sure if you're more interested, you can find that out. But also, much love for this podcast. Much love for all the community folks that always have me mm-hmm. um, in mind. People like Davey D. Mm-hmm. Um it's really important to support independent media because we know that it is not influenced by anything that is going to be detrimental to our community. In mm. fact, it's going to be good for our community. So um, I really want to thank you both because mm. this is the most, I feel like it's way more important than me sitting down with people who have no idea what I'm doing, you mm. know, and, and, and to tell me and share with me what the impact was, it, it really is a gratification um, that's not monetary. It's like y'all hyping me and it's great, but to be in an industry that is not, that is hostile, towards me mm-hmm. for the past
past 10 years, those are the little things that get me through. You know, mm. it makes me feel like I'm going in the right direction and that there's people that are cheering me on. So thank Definitely. you. Come on. Thank you. Definitely. Can uh, you make a pussy kill shirt too? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I actually had leggings, you know. Oh. And you know I can make those in ooh sizes too, though. <laughs> Yes, yes, I want them. You know, you know. Winning. Uh, so what we uh, do to close out is we'll uh, read off a few words, and it's this whole idea of when I think of blank, right? I think of blank. Okay. Just as a way to close us out. Got you. So when I think of revolutionary, mm. I think of... Jeez. I think of the women of the Mao movement. Mm, yeah. Dope. Mm. When I think of revolutionary, I think of little girls. Mm. For sure. When I think of revolutionary, I think of solidarity. Mm. When I think of matriarch, I think of... Mm. I think of my grandma and my mom's side. Mm. Yeah. When I think of matriarch, I think of Mother Nature. Mm. For sure. Because she up. needs us right now. Right, yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I think of matriarch, mm. I definitely think of all the grandmothers mm -hmm. and great grandmothers and great great and great great and great great. Do you guys both have your grandmothers with you still? I have my uh, maternal grandmother with mm -hmm. me. Me too. Just me. Just just the maternal one too. Yeah. So my, my paternal one passed when I was. Uh, a teenager, and she was she's a huge influence mm -hmm. in my life, and we still feel her throughout this day in our mm -hmm. in our family. Grandmas are so important, aren't Hella. they? Hella. Little girls and grandmas. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> little girls and grandmas. It's a beautiful thing to see my grandma be able to be with her great grandchildren. Yes, that's beautiful. Uh, when I think of patriarchy, <clears throat> oh, when I think of patriarchy, I think of when I think of patriarchy, I think of that. Cute little head that I done chopped off on my album cover. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it might look like a certain proud boy or it might look like a certain person that I might have been popping up. And I don't want to give him any shine. Word. I'm just letting you Jeez. know that the aim is true and I know who my enemy is. So <laughs> I'll see you soon. <laughs> hmm. Think of men in organized religion. Ooh. Isn't that I, like synonymous? I like, you aren't men <laughs> organized religion? Isn't that what it yeah. is? Yeah, when I think of patriarchy, I think of toxic masculinity. Mm. Yeah. And last but not least, when mm. I think of hip hop, I think of. Hmm. Good one. I'll go first. Yeah. Just this is the first thing that came to my mind. When I think of hip hop, I think of self destruction. Self destruction. You had it for self destruction. When I think of hip hop, um, I think about love. Mm. I think about not in the corny way, but in the way of like damn we gotta make this work so we gotta grow together yeah. and if you ain't growing that might be on some little Nas X shit and be on some country shit no I'm just <laughs> kidding <laughs> no but I wanna I wanna know where are we going mm -hmm. where, where is hip hop going so I, I'm actually excited to see 
as much as people think that, you know, old heads don't like the new music that's out. No, no, no. I think everything evolves. Yeah, so. we fucks with it. I no. love it. And I, because I love it, I'm excited to see its next stage. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> Shoot. I think of the first hip hop song I've ever heard. LL Cool J, I Need Love. Hey. When I'm alone in my room, sometimes yeah, I'm staring at the wall. The back yeah. of my mind, I hear my conscious call telling me I need a girl oh who's sweet as a dove. For the first time in my life, I see yeah. I need love. Okay. About the things that have been playing. no name, but that's the first hip hop song I've ever heard, and I was like, I'm I'm sold. I'm so awesome. So, yeah. I can't believe you remember that. Yeah. That's I can't even remember the first hip hop song I <laughs> heard. First. All right, y'all. We got to get up out of here. As always, you can get in touch with us uh, yeah. on all social media platforms at For the Cultures with a Q and an S. And if you want to chop it up with us or hit us up, feel free to email us at ForTheCultures at gmail Anything you got, partner? Before we get up out of here, no. Just thank you, Rocky Rivera, for pulling up. Yes, hey, you're welcome. Hello, appreciate you. Thank of you course. so much. Mad love. We're about to go get down, eat some yeah. good food. We're about to I grow. know. You're not on the ground. Sorry, it's an early show. Get bust down. Hey. All right, y'all. We'll, we'll see y'all on the next episode. Peace, Peace. love, Peace. and happiness. This episode is brought to you by Levalasi Loyan and Deanna Meredith. Thank you for your generous donation and continued support of our podcast. We see y'all. What are we doing it for? We're doing it for the culture. For the culture. For the culture.